Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. Halo, halo, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the one and only Sacred Icon Halo Show with your pals Brian and Joshua, where we talk all things Halo, but pump the brakes, ladies and gentlemen. Let's slow down there, Speed Racer. If you're tuning into this one particularly, you're tuning in to Oddball, where we talk about things outside of the Halo universe. I'm Jovial Joshua Hargis, and here, joined with me as always, is my buddy, my pal, my friend, Mr. Brian Arvett, here to talk some other things. Brian, what non-Halo topic are we talking about today? Well, guys, I'll, I'll let you in on what we're going to talk about today by going, Josh, hit me up with the sound no! of Phil Spencer coming out on stage to announce to everyone that the Sacred Icon Halo show will be talking about the era of the Xbox 360. Okay, start me up with an applause. Woo! Phil Spencer! Man, E3 is going to be so lit. What is it? Uh, Sacred Icon talking about Sacred Icon Halo doing what? Uh, they're going to announce. Phil Spencer's announcing that Sacred Icon Halo show is going to talk about the era of the Xbox. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Gaming has gone through several iterations. First, the Nintendo. Well, first arcades, <laughs> then Nintendo, then several other generations of stuff I can't even remember the name of, like Sega Genesis, Super Nintendo. I don't know what order they all came in. Who gives a shit? Anyway, more importantly, ladies Xbox. and gentlemen, <laughs> yeah, Xbox. We here at Xbox strive for excellence, strive for fun for consumers and for us at our job here at Microsoft. That's why I'm pleased to announce that Sacred Icon Halo is going to be doing an episode today talking about the era of the one and only Xbox 360. Yay! How many, how many Yay! hands does he have? And that's where it died. <laughs> <laughs> How many hands does he have in his pocket, Josh? Oh, he's definitely got one. He's Just got one. one hand in his pocket and the other one touching his graphic t-shirt. <laughs> Always. He's like, he's like, I'm pleased to announce that we're not going to talk about the Xbox One anymore. We're going to remember better days of the Xbox 360. I've seen better days. <laughs> oh, he's probably he's wearing a cameo graphic t-shirt right now. Yeah. Uh, oh, Xbox man. 360. Brian so, and I got in a conversation, what like a week ago, and we, I was, I, I just got done uh, beating Uncharted three, 
and I was talking to Brian about what I wanted to play next. And then we got talking about Fable, and that led us down this whole train of thought of just the Xbox 360 era, and we were like, you know what, we should we should do an episode on this. My favorite gaming generation. Well, not not gaming generation, like favorite console is the 360. And that's, that's actually cra- crazy to say, because I'm one of those people that grew up like, oh, N64, Nintendo 64 is the best. And then I just look back and I'm like, man, no, 360 had way too many memories to for that not to be my favorite. I feel like so. I could be wrong, but I feel like 360 hit a lot of highs that the PS2 had as well. Yeah, back in the, back in yeah. its time. We're gonna get to that. I got I got a comment from somebody at the end of the show for questions and answers. They were like, 360 was the PS2 era for for the, the Microsoft. Xbox. You know, yeah. So amazing time, um, guys. I'll just start off by telling you guys how I got my 360. Not near as cool as my story about the original Xbox to Halo 2, but still pretty cool. Um, We're all cool. In this story, my grandmother is a villain. Well, not really. <laughs> you guys understand how old people think, so you know you'll understand where she got this mindset. But basically, I worked all summer with my grandpa, and he paid me like five hundred dollars. Wrote me a check for like five hundred dollars because I worked all summer. So I was like, I want to buy an Xbox 360. Well, my grandma, and you guys understand, I'm 15 years old this time. Halo Three is coming out this year. I, I didn't get my 360 until 2007. So I tell my grandma I'm going to buy a th- Xbox 360 with the money. And my grandma tells me how I'm immature to waste the money that I spent uh, working Ouch. for this summer on a 360. And I don't need other video game consoles and it's time to grow up. And she encouraged me to get a laptop instead, which I wanted a laptop. But I was like, man, Halo 3. And so I felt guilty because of my grandma. My grandma's great, by the way, guys. Was this my the grandma, grandma at the wedding? Uh, Well, there's two grandmas at my wedding. But it was... Okay. One of them, yeah. yeah. Was it okay? Is it was it the grandma that was that's married to the Are you winning, son? Yep. Okay, that's yep. that one. Okay. Hey, uh, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. She's, she's amazing. I love my grandma, but she was like telling me not to get one, and I was feeling guilty. So guess what my parents did? Being the coolest parents in the world, they took my entire five hundred dollar check, and for my fifteenth birthday, they got me a laptop and an Xbox three hundred and sixty at the same time. Man. So yeah, so they they, they they spent my five hundred. But they probably spent like a little over a thousand total. Yeah. Um, so it was amazing. Got a 360. What kind did you get? Was it arcade? Was it the normal? It was the normal 20 gig one. Okay. The original white 20 gig one. Wow. 20 um, gig does not cut it nowadays. <laughs> yeah. And at the time, at the time, there was no video games that I wanted on the 360 because all I cared about was Halo 3. Like, I was nowhere near as diverse of a gamer as I am now. So, like, none of the games looked interesting to me. I mean, I, at that time, Gears of War was out, and none of the games, even that one, looked interesting to me. So, they just got me the console that came with a free copy of, like, one of those tennis games. I don't know which one it was called. It had, like, a yellow front cover. Oh, I don't know. It was, like, the tennis third one. one. Okay. The third iteration of it or whatever. It was, like, a tennis game, but didn't care because all me and my brother wanted to do was just play Halo 2 on the 360. <laughs> um while we waited for Halo 3. Pretty much the but, position we're in with MCC now going into Series right? X. Right, <laughs> exactly. Like, here, we're still playing them games. Yeah. Um, but here's the sad part. Dad got me, Mom and Dad got me the 360, took it up to my bedroom, red ringed immediately. What? First one. I yep. don't remember this. I don't think I've ever told you the story. Holy shit. So red ringed immediately, and I went into a deep depression. I was like, holy crap, I got one of the red rings. <laughs> so in, in my... What in year the did sad, you get it? What's that? What year did you get it? 2007. It would have been August 2007. So just a month before Halo 3 is about to come out. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And it was new? And it red-ringed? It was brand new. Yeah, it was the white 20-gig model, red-ringed. So in my depression, my parents drove me all the way back out to Best Buy with the console to get another one. So we managed to switch it out. 
And because I wasn't going to send it into Microsoft and wait three weeks for my new console. Hell no. Hell no. Oh, I love when you do that. I took it there back it is. to Best Buy, got another console, brought it back home. That one red ringed also. <laughs> oh, damn. I mean, at that, and at that point, Best Buy was closed. Like it was late enough in the day. So my the day I got the 360, two red ringed in a row. Couldn't even play it. Couldn't even play it. No. So. The very well, next did you one. get on Google on your new laptop and look at pictures of Xbox 360s? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I can play Halo 1 and 2 PC on my laptop. Oh, ouch. Continue. Uh, yeah, so I, the very next morning, and I, that, was, that was a rough night going to bed that night with no 360. I bet. Woke up the next morning. My dad took me back to Best Buy again to the, for the moment they opened. I returned that one, got a third one, brought it back. It worked perfectly fine. So, third time was a charm. Uh, and then me and my brother just played Halo 2 on it. And it just felt like a whole new experience, even though, like, it's not like it's not like today where the Xbox One, like, enhances old games. Like, the Halo 2 arguably ran worse on the 360. Yeah. Um, but it was just amazing. So we just played that. And, like, uh, then it was, like, I can't remember. It doesn't really matter either way. But I can't remember if it was the next day or later that week. I had a birthday party. And I got, like, $70 in cash. So I was like, okay, I got to go to the game store and get me a 360, you know, a next gen game. I got to get me an HD game. And (laughs) I went to the store and I just like, I was like, man, none of these games look interesting to me. I'm like, I know I've heard a lot of good things about this Gears of War game. So I'm going to buy the used copy of Gears of War for $55. Freaking GameStop. Got to love them. And uh, (laughs) because that way I could return. Power to the players. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Thank you for saving me five bucks for your disc. It's been scratched by 18 Uh. kittens. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't have the manual and has a giant sticker on the front that requires Gugon to remove. Um, but anyway, so I was like, I'm going to buy the used one so I can return it if I don't like it. So I brought Gears of War back home with literally no expectations. I know for those of you listening who like Gears of War, you're thinking, wow, Brian's about to play one of the best games. So good. In my mind, I'm, I'm taking home this generic game that I have no interest in because I'm just like, I want to play a 360 game. So we started off, start playing it. Okay. Yeah. This is kind of fun. Kind of enjoy this, you know, whatever. And it was getting more fun and more fun. Me and my brother were playing co-op. And then the moment that that generation hit for me, and I know it's 2007, I was late to the party there. The moment the generation started for me is me and my brother Creighton were running away from that berserker in like the first act. Yeah. And it was like, it was like, and then we like run towards, like that's not at all what it sounded like, but it was like charge and make that sound. And me and my brother were like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, shit." yeah. Like we roll out of the way. And then one of us would get hit. We're like, oh, he got me. Oh, and we were like freaking out. We were laughing hysterically. And when we got to the end of that mission and defeated the Berserker, it was like, holy crap. It's like a Halo experience all over again. Like, I'm not going to say that it was to that level, but it was close. It was like, this is a new IP. It's amazing. I mean, my brother just played Gears of War co-op all the way to the end, played multiplayer, had a blast. Amazing experience. And that was kind of the, between that and Halo 2, those were the games that got me to the launch of the Halo 3, uh, to Halo 3. Um, but rather than go on and talk about Halo 3, Josh, what was your first experience with the 360? Uh, I can't even remember the specific day I got it now, but I remember getting that with Oblivion because that was the reason at the time. I knew Halo 3 was on the horizon, but up until that, I got it in 06, and I just remember watching people on GameSpot.com play, It was doing Let's Plays basically before that was really a thing of Oblivion. And I was like, because I'd played a bit of Morrowind. Morrowind was probably the last sort of exclusive experience I got on the original Xbox. And that kind of opened the door for me. And I was like, this is like, this is really cool. I got to a point in that game early on where I I got to a fork in the road. And I was like, 
what do I do? I was like, that was real open world for me. That was my first, like Halo, the Halo level in Halo CE is like my first illusion of what that is. Yeah. And then playing Morrowind is like the, the real actual. the reality of it. And I was so, I was like, well, I want to go down this road, but I don't want to miss what's over here and blah, blah, blah. And it just, it was like sensory overload. So when Oblivion, when I knew Oblivion was coming out, I was so excited. And then it got rave reviews on PC and stuff like that. And it was coming out on Xbox. And I think I got pushed back a bit. Comes out. I get it like a few months after it's out. And so I just played that in like Hexic HD. <laughs> and... It was amazing to me. It really did feel like next gen at the time because I remember booting up the console and there's this dashboard thing that was just so Blades. different. Like people would talk about the original Xbox having a dashboard, but I just I didn't even think about that because when I put we the didn't disc, really call it that. Yeah, when I put the disc in, it just booted up the game. This one was like, oh no, you can have the disc in and you can navigate the tra- the the blades and like there's this marketplace and there's this like it's all in one and I was like, whoa. So anyway, I I boot up Oblivion, and I remember at the time I had gotten it too because one of my dogs had passed away. Like my dad kind of got that for me as a sort of like way to help cope with that kind of experience, and and it really did. I remember internally sort of getting that head cannon. I named the first horse after that dog. His name was Draco, mm. and it was a really unique kind of experience having the horse with me, trying to protect it. Um, you know, I didn't get horse armor. I was a kid at the time. You know, I didn't have my own money and trying to convince my dad to buy me horse armor was ridiculous when he had already bought me the console and that game. So not happening. But that being said, it was, I was kind of like Brian. I dude, I I remember playing Halo two on it as well. Cause that was pretty much the multiplayer until I got gears, which I did. I can't, I can't even remember what time I got that now, but I remember playing Halo 2 on it quite a lot, and I was really bummed when they were like, oh, Backwash is out of the playlist because it doesn't run as well on the 360, and I was like, no! I like that map. I want to play it on Xbox Live. You know, That's but, not true backwards compatibility. Yeah, right? But you were right, too. I think it did run a bit worse. had some stutter and stuff well, like I don't, that. Well, I don't know if this... Like, me and my brother to this day, I don't think we really know if it was... I'm guessing it was for everyone, but I don't hear anyone talk about it. When we played Halo 2 specifically on the 360, every now and then, characters' outlines would get burned into the screen. I don't remember so like, that happening at so all. So like a brute, like a brute would be running at me, and the still frame of the brute, like the shadow, the silhouette of the brute, would be stuck on the screen for Forever the rest of the level. Forever etched in time. Yeah, so we'd have to like restart the game if we wanted to not see it anymore. It was it was pretty lame. Sounds pretty psychedelic. Um, but <laughs> That's weird. You know what's crazy too, dude, is like after Gears of War was an amazing game, and the next game I bought was I bought a used copy of Oblivion, which I think it was like pretty cheap. I think it was around thirty bucks or something at that point because it had been out for a little while. And uh, I hate to, I just it blows my mind because Oblivion is in my top like five six games of all time. But when I got Oblivion, oh, I hated it. I hated it. Was that your ex- like moral one experience for me? Like what that was for me? Was that I mean, yeah, technically. Experience? I mean, okay. but it was it was literally like a couple. It was like probably three or four weeks out from Halo Three, mm-hmm. and Oblivion to me just at the time in my headspace at that time it was like the graphics are kind of weird. You know, the character models, the jumping, you know, all that stuff, and then like there's no direction, and the the like for me at the time like the slashing of your sword just seemed like. It didn't seem like very good gameplay. Like, yeah. and I, I would argue now that it's not the best mechanically, but you know, once it clicks, it becomes so much fun. Yeah. Um, so I just I hated Oblivion. I just thought, man, this game so I thought it was trash. I mean, I hated it. It wasn't even like there's room for me to like it. I just thought it was garbage. Mm-hmm. But and then of course, eventually, years years later, Creighton got it again, and Creighton got into it. it. Became Creighton's favorite. My brother Creighton's favorite game of all time. Mm-hmm. 
And then later, like literally a year before Skyrim, my brother got me into Oblivion. And now Oblivion's one of my favorite games of all time. Just kind of a hard one to get into. But, uh, but yeah, yeah I, did I interrupt you, Josh, on your story? I don't now? even know. It's all no. good, though. But yeah, <laughs> that was one of my first. That was actually the game I had my first experience with with Game Chat, which I feel like for a lot of people, they pretty much knew that you could do that. But for me on the 360, I didn't know you could you could game chat unless you were still in game. I was stuck in the mental Halo two ways of booting up the game, getting into the lobby, yeah. doing it through that. Not an actual part or like private chat. You could do that on the original Xbox, but you had to be in the dashboard. Well, Eric, my friend Eric and I are in the dashboard one day, just talking, shooting the shit, right? And we both want to go play Oblivion. So we both, while still having the headset on and getting ready to boot up the game, we're like, all right, well, I'll talk to you later, man. All right, I we I boot up the game. He boots up the game. Neither of us are saying anything because we're assuming at this point we're just we'd be talking to ourselves. The, the chat's disconnected. There's no pop up about that, and I hear Xavier. Or I, my friend, I just referenced Xavier. I love that. I'm gonna tell him about that. Anyway, I meant I hear Eric do like a, <clears throat> and I was like Eric, and he was like, Josh, I was like you can hear me, and he's like, what the hell, you can hear me, and I was like. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're telling me we can chat while we play this game? And he's like, no, no way. And I'm like, dude, there's got to be a catch. We're, okay, let's let's load into the game first. He's like, okay, okay. <sighs> you, get, you know, this is heavy breathing. Yeah. We're like, this is going to, this is like a game changer. We get into it. Like, can you still hear me? We're going through that whole thing. And we can. And like, this completely changed. Like, I can't emphasize enough, guys, how big of a deal this was for me at the time because Eric and I played so many games together and once we realized we could do that on the 360 well it was all over because it was like wow now he can play a completely different game and i can play this game we don't have to play the same game doesn't have to be multiplayer and we can still talk to one another like that is so cool and it was so much fun i always you know we'll move on after this but uh, but one of my favorite things is playing what i refer to as rpg and and co-op and because typically that's not a thing right but when you have a friend, like it's something I've wanted to do with Brian for a long time. But like when you, if, if Brian's playing Fallout Four and I'm playing Fallout Four, that are both that's a single player experience, but we're both doing a party chat. Like it makes it so much more fun when you hear a friend talking about like I'm at the Cordova plan or whatever, and he's makes like, you feel like you're in the same. World. Yeah, it makes you feel like you're in the same world. It's it's great. It's I can't emphasize enough how much fun that was. And 360 brought that joy to me and i'll always forever treasure that because we take it for granted now being able to just start up a party invite multiple people do all that rigmarole but wow in 2006 that was really something yeah i I remember very early conversations with justin over the private chat function on the 360 during the blades time because there was no party chat at the time so it was just a private chat and uh yeah it was just it was just a surreal experience to me using the 360 in the beginning because like you had that dashboard with the blades which i thought was so cool and then i was like online trying to download free backgrounds for the blades and i think i <laughs> yes, I think I eventually may have yeah i think i eventually paid for a theme because you know themes used to be something you paid for which thank god that's over with because it's silly um well that was cool too because you had you had the themes you had gamer pictures and like some of them like in, in gears of war if you got the seriously achievement which was get ten thousand kills in multiplayer you got an exclusive gamer picture yeah then they had like even before that they thought face plates were going to be the next big thing Ooh. hey man what a way to identify your cus uh, your your cu- console you know custom to your own like 
you know, like get this new faceplate. They had like not even ten probably come out. <laughs> I think <laughs> like there that, was a Halo Three one though. Which there might have been. I just yeah. I think it. It died. just didn't catch on because it was just kind of pointless and it didn't cover your whole no console. One gave a shit. <laughs> like, I think it cost was twenty five like, thirty bucks for one. Yeah, everyone was like, I just I don't care about customizing my console. Like I, I, I guess you know I. In hindsight, I can I can see why they thought that would have been a cool feature. But they even they brought out the vision camera. Remember when the vision camera came out? I mean, I don't remember when it came out. I never I never used it or experienced it. I knew it existed. Oh boy, guys! I remember getting that and playing Uno online, and that's a whole topic in of itself. But I'm just gonna say I got mooned a lot. I saw a lot of other things that I didn't <laughs> expect to see. When I went into it was play a PG an Uno game, it was definitely not PG rated. Uh. It was, but it was hilarious times. I did that with Justin all the time. Played it with Eric, and that was a lot of fun using the vision camera at the time. Uh, just seeing you getting to see everybody's faces playing this stuff. It was, it was unique. Like that's what was cool for me on the 360. Is a lot of things happened, and one of those was the private chat that I mentioned getting to do with Eric, which sort of like spread out into all these different fields of like yeah. playing different games, chatting, and everything. Well, then they had demos we were able to try out, and then you had like the gamer pictures, the themes, the blades. Then you had, you know, stuff like the vision camera. Like, Microsoft was trying to do a lot at that time when you think about it and you look back. Like, the red ring sucked. <laughs> that sucked bad and hard. Yeah, it, was, it but, cost them, like, over a billion dollars. But, you know, and that often sort of, like, I feel like at this point in time, they don't get enough crap for that because that was huge. But then at the same time, I think it's because most people are over it because there were so many great things. To talk well, and about actually, Microsoft handled it really well because they they either fixed or replaced your console, no questions asked. Was yeah. Like, if I'm not mistaken, they, there was someone from Microsoft that went in and had to have a talk with Steve Ballmer and because they had lost so much money. And I think yep. the story was that Ballmer was like, how much is it going to cost? They were like, this amount. It was a high amount. And he was like, just get it done. It was over a billion. He was yeah. Like, we're just like, going to do it. Just do it. That was the right call because the brand would be done. I mean, yeah. I mean at least it would be severely hindered. Yep. So. Um, but man, yeah, on the 360, dude, just like, it was a different, different mentality I was in when I, when I had the 360, because I used to download like game trailers to keep on my console. Yes, I remember that. Bless you, my sweet child. Excuse Brian me. just sneezed. Yeah. You just heard that here first on the Sacred Woo. Icon Halo. Sacred Icon Halo podcast. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyways, it's like, I used to have like, okay, here's my Halo 3 trailers. Here's my Gears trailers. Like I saved them and like they had, they had to take up space on my hard drive because I, I needed them for some reason, which is ridiculous now because I would never waste any hard, even with like several terabytes of space. Like why would I download trailers to my, it's just a weird thing. But I think like a lot of people did that back then, you know? Um, I did a lot with a lot of things uh, on the internet. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's just crazy. Like the, the 360 generation to me, I think a large part of why it felt like it, it endured for so long yeah. is is because uh, of the age I was, because it was a very transformative time. It was like, you know, I was a kid, teenager, adult, by the, the I went through all three stages pretty much sure. in the 360s lifespan. But they did so much to improve the lifespan of that console because you had at least three dashboards past the blades. I might be forgetting one. There was the original one like that was four or five, but yeah. Well, there was the original in my mindset. There was the original one that was tiled, this tiled squares that were had like soft edges and were blue, and then it went to 
tiled that was squared with rough edges and white. I don't even remember and those then, now. And then the last one was like a big block in the center. I remember the first and the last. I don't remember anything yeah. in between. I know I was there for those, but I can't even picture. So between the between the dashboards and then they had the, you know, I remember after getting my white console, they announced the Elite console that was black, like the original Xbox, and it had a bigger hard drive. And I was like, oh my gosh, I got to have it. I ended up getting one of those, earning up money and buying one of those. Then they had this first slim console, which they came out with the glossy one and the regular one that had built. Okay, here's the thing. I'm going to take us back to a story. Okay, so, yeah, going off of what I was just saying with those consoles, you had your your regular fat console. Then you had the Elite that was black with a bigger hard drive. Then you had the slim. Then you eventually had the super slim one that was the slim E model that, Josh, do you still Get have Get yourself it? a new super slim Xbox yeah, you don't have it. thing. Do you have that anymore? Yeah, I still have. Okay, so nice. So yeah, like there's the so there were several different models of the console that, that kept it in different dashboards updates that, that made the life of the console last. But here's what's insane, and I love telling the story because this sounds like a story that you think I'm making up or is ridiculous, it's but it was story actually tell you. it was actually true the way that this this played out. So when I first met Justin, my friend Justin, who's been on this podcast before, also a friend of Josh's, um, he had an original 360 console like from the first run, that did not have an HDMI port on it. Mm. Because the 360 originally did not come okay, with I remember an HDMI this story. port or a port. It had just the uh, you know red, white, green, blue cables. And uh, so when I met Justin, his console had broken down. I don't know if it was Red Ring or what, but he had sent it off. So he invited me to come over to his house and bring my console. And um, so when I got over there, he realized that I had the... HDMI port on mine because mine was a newer model and he was like okay when you come over my dad has one of these new things it's called an HDMI cable we're gonna try it out and so see what naughty. games look like yeah so he took his dad's HDMI cable which at the time cost a considerable amount of money yeah and we hooked my 360 up with it and just marveled at what Mass Effect 1 looked like with an HDMI cable on an HDTV um, so just crazy to think and that that, that console to get online, we had to connect to it. We had to either connect to it with an Ethernet cable, or we had to buy the special expensive Wi-Fi Wireless dongle because adapter. the original 360 had no HDMI port and it had no Wi-Fi connectivity. So it's just crazy to think like it's 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 no wonder that generation lasted as long as it did because you had so many iterations of the console with additions like Wi-Fi and yeah, and I, and the the uh, what I just say. Um, the Wi-Fi and the oh, the HDMI port, yeah. and then you had all the different dashboards, and then eventually, when the console was starting to get a little more stale, they introduced the Connect. And I know we all don't like the Connect now. We, we all love about, the Connect. Yeah, we all talk about how we don't care for the Connect, but like the Connect when it came out, it did a lot to boost the sales, and people were really enjoying the Connect back in like the 2010. Oh yeah, I get yeah, I get why. I dude, I remember getting a TV, a new TV in 2012, and that was my first sort of HDMI experience, and I was playing. Mass Effect 2 at the time. Like, I literally remember playing that game and then, like, the next day, going to Best Buy, buying the TV, setting it up, like, loading in from where I left off. And I was like, whoa, you know, like... Pretty colors. Yeah, I mean, it is pretty much what we kind of got if, if you've played a Xbox One going to, uh, to Xbox One X or, like, PS4 to PS4 Pro and you're seeing some of those enhancements, like... Now I'm kind of, my brain's turned off. Like I don't notice the difference now because I've experienced it. Yeah. For as long as I have, but 
that transition at the time was really cool. Like you don't realize how blurry, I guess, like not maybe not blurry, but just like it's it's not as clear of an image. Not as clear, not as crisp. You know, and the, so yeah, you get that crisp HD image, and that was amazing at the time. I was so overjoyed to be having that in my Mass Effect experience with all these pretty colors. And that's another thing. We had the Mass Effect trilogy come out, which was like really cool at the time. I remember being that was at the time. My most, I mean, looking back, Halo 3 is always going to be the top probably for me. But uh, prior to that coming out, um, Mass Effect was even like overtaking that for me. It was, was an exclusive like, for the 360. Yeah, and it was for a, t- for a while. And I was just so excited about that. I remember the, the book coming out, I think it was Revelations with uh, Saren on the front. And I read that and I was just like, oh, this seems so cool. I was on the message boards. I don't know if you guys remember game trailers, but Justin and I had started a group on there. Um, and it was it's fun times looking back on that because I just remember the 360 era for me was just a lot of fun, a lot of anticipation that I was excited about. I mean, you know, playing that trilogy was really unique to me. I remember being let down by the first Mass Effect, and maybe we'll do an episode on that another time. Overall, it's a great game though, so I, I'm not here to poo poo on it. But it was just amazing to ride that train of this like new tech, and I remember them showing off some of the the videos. Uh, the demos of that at like E305, X06, and stuff like that. And it was just, it was so exciting. Like, I remember with Bioshock you had to, which I don't think Bioshock, was that? That came out, that was a timed exclusive as well, I think. That was it 2007. Came out, right. Well, there was, there was like, sometimes there was exclusives. Like, Mass Effect 1 was literally a 360 exclusive with Bioware. Yeah, it's only EA. a timed exclusive in retrospect. Well, it wasn't, but it wasn't planned to be a time exclusive. Right. That's the what I'm EA saying. EA scooped up Mass Effect and was like, yo, we want to make money. We're gonna yeah, it was afterward. They were like, yeah, let's get it on PS3. But then then there was games like Bioshock where it wasn't so much that it was an exclusive. It was that, man, the PS3 is so hard to design for with its cell architecture that they made it easily for the 360. And then they had to go later. Like sometimes other teams made the ports for PS3. And the ports for PS3 weren't uh, weren't nearly as Oblivion's good most of the time. was notorious for being pretty bad at launch. Yeah. And, I mean, we're, that's something we'll probably get into a little more as we go on in this podcast is, like, the, the PS3 was a great system itself, but since they decided to use their own in-house architecture with the cell architecture, it just made development such a pain in the butt for everyone. So everything came out on the 360 easier, sooner, quicker, well, and fine. usually it ran better. So. Tell me, outside of Halo, what was one of your favorite games? On the 360 on the, to come out. On the 360? Yeah. Like, Even if you've uh, already exclusive mentioned. or third party? It doesn't matter. Well, I mean, if I want to mention one that was newer... Uh, I mean, I, this is the 360 era for us. I mean, I I didn't have a PS3. Okay, well, so let me we, tell you this story. I'm not going to say it was like one of my favorites, but let me tell you this story. I think it's kind of cool. It's like, all right, let me hear it. So, you know, prior to getting the 360, like I said, I was not a very diverse gamer. It was like, I like Zelda, and I like Halo. And there's a couple mm-hmm. others. That's about it. Well... One thing I was super excited to play on the 360 when I got my 360 in 2007, it hadn't came out yet, was Fable 2. I was because I loved Fable. Fable 1 so yeah. much, and I remember the Fable 2 had like a CGI trailer of um, what's her name, the or Teresa using one of those little those things that people make out of paper where it like tells your fortune or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. She was using that, and I was like, man, I'm so excited for this. And I remember there being like a trailer. I don't know if it came out in 2007 or if it was 2008, but the trailer, or not the trailer, the uh, the gameplay demo that showed, like, Peter Molyneux talking about, oh, I like, love Peter. like, in this game, you can be a male or a female, and you can actually get pregnant in the game if you want to have a child. And if you're a female, you actually have a, your, your stomach will grow over time. And it was like, oh, my gosh, like, holy crap, like, you can be a male or a female. I can have kids in this game. Like, I can't imagine how cool Fable 2 is going to be. And I remember him showing, like, 
you running around with somebody and like and like your dog oh, and like yeah and there's like and he's like if you spend too much time away from your house when you get home like your kid will be upset with you because you're always gone and I'm like oh my gosh this is gonna be the future and I just remember <laughs> like I just remember like being like okay I'm really here for Halo three I can't wait for Halo three to come out but next year I'm gonna be all about that Fable two life mm-hmm. so I remember in 2008 Fable two came out in October and it was the day of Fable two and I it was a school night it was Tuesday you know going into Wednesday. And I managed to convince a couple guys at school, like, we should go get Fable 2 tonight at midnight. And, like, we were not even old enough to be out uh, driving around past yeah. midnight because of curfew. But I convinced them, I was like, to get their own copies. So, and then I managed to convince my dad to let me go because my dad was like, you're going to school tomorrow. I don't care how late you stay out playing that game. You're going to school tomorrow. I was like, I know, I know, Dad. I'll go to school. I'll go to school. I was like, he's like, okay, Brian, whatever. If you really think you need it tonight, you know, so... At the time, like, I was the only one with a car, and I was playing, like, my freaking, you know, old high school screamo music and driving around with those two guys in the back Oh, seat. I got to tell you real quick, Brian. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I, dude, I thought of you at work last night. I got super nostalgic, and I threw on AFI, which I don't uh, listen to a lot of music that Brian listens to. My love so, I, I can't, I think it was this celluloid dream. No. Yeah, I think it was the celluloid, celluloid dream that goes like, do it, I remember, uh, I'm going to save actually the rest of this part for another. It has to do with the 360 era, so I'm going I'm to save that. But, uh, yeah, I thought of you, and I was like, wow, Brian's with me right now in spirit. There you go. Beautiful. <laughs> Continue, though. You were listening yeah. to your, your youthful music, your, your angst music. Yeah, so I had my, my 95 Toyota Corolla, and I had these two guys in the car with me, and their name was just Travis and Ben. And we were driving around, you know, at like past, it was between 10 and midnight waiting for Fable 2 to come out. And I remember accidentally driving down the wrong direction on a one way and I was freaking out I was going to get a ticket and everything. But um, so we ended up going to a store that Josh remember called Game Crazy. It's not around anymore. Oh, uh, yeah. To get, because they were the only ones I think doing a midnight or something Another like that. Another local mom and pop shop, kind of. Yeah. So we went to Game Crazy and we were waiting in there um, for Fable 2 to come out. I remember my one, cool. one of the, but. One of the buddies with me was getting the limited edition, which the limited edition of Fable 2 came in a white case, and it came with a full Master Chief costume and energy sword for your character. And it said on the limited edition, like, about me, it said, like, if you do not buy the limited edition, there will never be a way for you ever to get these items again. They're not going to be on the marketplace, whatever. But at the time, I was just, it was hard enough to get the money to buy a new $60 game. So I had a copy of Fable 2 pre-ordered. And we all waited there. Fable 2 came out. We got our copies, drove home. I remember we wanted to stop at a gas station to get some soda. And we stopped at a gas station at like 1230, and there was like two cops in there right at the register. And I was like sweating bullets because I'm like, we can get I can get in trouble for being out past curfew. Went in there, bought a two-liter soda, went back to the house. They stayed at the house that night on a school night. My parents were like, they didn't want me to do this this night. This wasn't like my Halo 3 story. This was like, Brian, you really need to do this right now. So we stayed, so we 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 stayed at my house. Started up Fable 2, played literally like 30 minutes of it, and we were like, okay, this is cool, but it's almost 2 a.m., and we have to get up at like 6 for school in the morning. So we all went to sleep in the room, and the very next morning, one of the guys was like, yeah, my mom says I can just stay home, so if you can take me home, I'm not going to school today. And I was jealous. I was like, damn. So I went in my room, and I went in my parents' room, and I'm like, mom, I'm so so tired, I can't see straight. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and then, and then. She was like, I was like, can I just please, I'm going to be sick if I go to school. And she's, and she's like, go ahead, you can stay home. So my mom let me stay home after they oh. said they weren't going to let me. <laughs> Which, it was bad of me. I should have I went. How pissed was Paul? Uh, 
he was just like, it was more in one of those modes where he was like, whatever, this is bullshit, you know? <laughs> uh, so he let me stay home. But then the third guy, he called his mom, and his mom was like, absolutely freaking not, you are oh, going. no. So then we had to all three get in the car at 6 in the morning. I had to drive the one buddy home, drop the other buddy off at school, and then be like, peace, bro, see ya, I'm going home. Drive all the way back home. It's brutal. It sucked. Uh, but he was the only one that for had a him. girlfriend. So, it sucked you know. for him. It sucked for him, yeah. But he was the only one that had a girlfriend, so at least, you know, oh, I there's felt that. better. At least, yeah, at least he yeah. got to see his lady. Because I, I remember, so then, like, I went back home, slept, woke up at, like, 1 o'clock, started playing Fable 2, and then I drove back to school at the end of the shift, or at the end of the, the school day, for uh, the three the three of us to get back together <laughs> and, and, like, shift. play fa- yeah, Fable yeah. shift. The three of us to get together and play Fable 2 again, and we were all talking about it. And I remember, like... The dude who had to go to school, like he, he came back. We, we all met at my buddy's house, and and he came back with his girlfriend to to watch us play Fable Two. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you know what? It sucks that he he had to go to school, but he's got a girlfriend, so and I don't. And I've been single my whole life, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> There's but, the justification. Yeah. But yeah, we were all like really that's into so Fable cool, Two, and yeah, it was, yeah, it was. Now that story I haven't actually heard either. Man, I'm loving this. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't like it as much as the first game, but I, I definitely liked it a lot. And I was just gonna say that um, what's crazy is I always felt salty that I didn't buy the Master Chief, uh, the limited edition to get the Master Chief suit and Energy Sword. But the crazy thing is that was 2008. That game came out. I think it was 2015 or 16. They put up on the marketplace. Um, for $1.99, you could buy the Master Chief and Energy Sword, yeah. even though they said it would never be available. It was like, you know, eight there years later. There was some who said it could never be done. Yeah, so that was that was a great time. But anyway. Yeah, I, dude, I, I loved hearing that. I remember being so excited for Fable 2 because I loved... It was weird. I was in a weird place with Fable 1 where, like, I read... I, I didn't hear Peter Molyneux talk about it at the time. I didn't really have internet access. But I read about it in the magazines, and I thought this was going to be, like, a 40-hour... 50 hours, you know, something plus RPG experience, and it's like 20 hours. Yeah. And I was really, I loved what was there, but by the end of it, I was like, no, I loved it so much, I wanted there to be more, and as a result, I felt disappointed. Yep. And then I got to Fable 2, and back then, I wanted every game, every RPG to be like 100 hours. Nowadays, I'm like, five-hour experience, make it awesome. I'm yeah, kidding. right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but I remember that coming out, and that was just such an exciting time, too. Like, I... I I don't. I didn't have as much the sort of core experience that Brian did with it. I actually have still never beat it. But out of the fables, uh, Fable Two is definitely my favorite. And I want to. I want to get back on those soon and play those. But you know, when I think about that as we're talking, like that's what it was for me too. Is I remember having a lot of core memories on the 360. Like I had a lot on the Xbox. I've had some on the Xbox One, but the 360 was really where it's like. I played all these. I was playing new IPs. I was playing sequels of games that I loved, and I and I ended up loving the sequels usually more. Like Halo Three, I loved more than Halo Two. Uh, Fable Two, loved more than Fable One. Gears Two, can't say that as much, but uh, but I know I'm in the minority. I know I'm in the minority. But uh, there was Dragon Age Origins. I freaking loved Dragon Age Origins. Two thousand nine. I remember coming out. I was like not playing. Ga- I was I was still playing games, but there wasn't just anything else at that point in time. There was no games coming out that I was really looking forward to. And Batman Arkham Asylum was on the menu, but I, at the time, was, like, still playing, like, Halo 3 multiplayer. I was playing, like, Gears 2 multiplayer. I was just kind of, I was more in the multiplayer sphere of things. That came out, and then I I think in October, and I think it was somewhere around that time, that Dragon Age came out. And I remember, like, not being on my radar, but it, it, I don't know if you guys have ever had this with a video game, but, like, 
some sometimes for me there's been in these experiences where I will like see a game, see footage of a game after it's been out and suddenly I'm like in love with it as if like I just fell in love with it, you know, like I'm seeing it for the first time. It didn't grab me before, but suddenly I see it now and I'm like I have to play this game. Well, I went in and I traded like a shit ton of games uh and to get Dragon Age Origins. And I got it and I was like enamored and I love Dragon Age to this day. I don't I don't like 2 or Inquisition as much. The only one I care about is Origins, but Josh, it's because of Josh and, and my brother a little bit that I got into Origins I, much later in the game. It was it was the year of Inquisition before it came out. Yeah, I played Origins and, and I, I never was a fan of the combat, but the story and the world and the characters was so good. It's it's it stayed in my mind since. I, I, I get that. It. That's one of those good examples of like a game having such a good story that you're willing to put through the game. You're willing to push through the gameplay you don't like to get through the story. No, that's a great example, and I know I'm all over the place right now, but. I loved uh, even playing the wrestling games. I was a wrestling fan growing up, and uh, my friend Eric and I, as I mentioned before, would make characters called Couch and Potato that were these like sort of heavy set dudes with tidy whitey underwears with poo stain on the butt cheeks, and they wore bags over their heads, so they had you know uh, their identity was was uh, <laughs> in secret, shrouded kept in, in secret, mystery. yeah, shrouded in mystery. And we would come out, and we would and have shit these stained draw. Yeah, we would have these online tag matches. There were glitches back in those days, and and people would come out with the most bizarre custom characters. One guy would look like a chicken. This other one would look like he just stepped out of Hot Topic circa 2004. And I say that because I had like Cortana from Halo Five. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, it it was just it was so much fun. I don't know, you know, Brian. Did you do a lot of? uh, Did you have a lot of online experiences? I mean, I know you're more of a single player gamer, but the 360 was pretty much the the uprising of online experiences for me. Like, I think I'd done a little bit of like, I I definitely had done a lot of RuneScape and Diablo 2 on PC prior to the 360, but the 360s where console gaming kind of came to a head for me online. Um, I you know I just remember the whole 360 era. Two two giant things stick out to me as as a person during the 360 era. One was uh, midnight launches, yes, and two was being pathetically obsessed with girls. Pathetically obsessed with girls, and, and it's not just like like I was I was all I thought about was video games and girls. And sometimes it went back and forth which one I thought of more. Yeah. And the sad part is, I'm not one of those guys that thought about girls all the time and always had a girl on his arm. I was a guy who thought about girls all the time and had no one. <laughs> oh, I was <laughs> in the same boat. Most of my high boat. school years, I was I was single most of yeah. the time. Um, but I just remember. Uh, like my, my gaming portfolio was, was so limited at the time. Like I just, it wasn't until like adulthood that I started to get really diverse. I only wanted to play games that were safe that I knew I liked. And uh, I remember being really excited for Gears of War 2. And that was another one of those instances where I got my mom to way ahead of time, let me take off school for Gears of War 2's midnight launch. My, you know, and, uh, I actually went to, this is kind of a funny story too, is I went to the midnight launch with my brother Creighton. And my friend my Caleb Creighton. Webster, Creighton, Creighton, Creighton on the salad crouton. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, yeah, we sometimes we call him crouton or crayon. Oh my god, uh, I love that. But my I call uh, Crayola. my buddy, yeah, that too. My buddy Caleb Webster came with me and my brother. Caleb Webster, he is the one who do, who built, who created the uh, the intro music for our podcast. So if you guys like that, Caleb Webster is responsible. Um, we went to go shout get Gears of War Two. What's that? I said shout out to Caleb. Yeah. 
And uh, Caleb was the biggest Gears fan I knew at the time. And we went to go in my Toyota Corolla, you know, 2008. This was November, in I think. my Toyota Corolla. Corolla. Um, this in midnight launch. And here's what I remember about that night the most. And if Creighton listens to this podcast, he'll kind of probably maybe get red in the face or kind of chuckle Uh-oh. or whatever. But so as you guys probably have surmised either through listening to the podcast or being on my Twitter or whatnot, um, you know, I grew up in a Christian family. I'm a, I'm a Christian, and I've always tried to not be vulgar and not be crass. And I know sometimes on this podcast, you know, Josh and I have tried to not be like that, but, uh, you know, sometimes words have slipped up. And uh, But I remember back in high school at the age of 16, I kind of got one of those rebellious phases where I was like, I'm going to say, I'm going to cuss, so I'm going to do whatever I want kind of deal. I think most of us go through that. Kids and tell I, me what to do, Dad. It's not yeah. a phase, Mom. Exactly. I'm not going to call Jared my dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jared sucks. I don't know why I'm picking um, the name Jared. <laughs> I just remember, yeah, I'm just picturing Simple Plan now in my head. Yeah, I know, that's like, what I'm uh, thinking of. <laughs> you know, it's true, you used to be Like my, my chemical hero. romance. I'm not okay. Is yeah. that how it goes? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but so anyways, like... My parents, you know, would have been very upset with me if mm-hmm. they learned I was cussing or anything like that. But I was in high school, and you know, I was 16, and I was cool, and I was edgy, so I, I was cussing and stuff. So when I went out to the midnight launch with Caleb and my brother, yeah, we were goofing around, having a fun time, waiting for the midnight launch, and I was cussing like crazy. I was dropping F-bombs and everything. And uh, my brother Creighton, who at the time would have been, I don't know, 12? No, he would have been like 13. Little Creighton. He had never heard his older brother cuss, ever. Oh, and he was in the car, and me and Caleb were going back and forth like, F this, F that, this is some funny you know, funny shit, dog, whatever. And Creighton was just like pale in the face. He was shocked. He did, he couldn't Aww. believe it. So <laughs> so when my mom showed up at midnight because I was oh, still no. old enough. No, Creighton. The, yep. When, I, when I, I still wasn't old enough to get an M-rated game, my mom showed up. She got in the car. My brother immediately was like, Mom, Brian's been cussing all night, saying the F word, whatever, and like got me in trouble with my mom. No! And my mom was like, you haven't been, have you? And I'm like, oh, I just, you know, I said it like once or whatever here or there. And, my, and Craig's like, no, he's been saying it like crazy. <laughs> he's been saying it all the time. I don't, you know, and like, so my mom was like really irritated with me. And I was trying to like, argue, I was trying to discuss with her how I'm not a bad kid. But like, so it was like one of these deals where I like, I'm in the same car with Creighton and my mom. And I'm looking at Creighton like, if we were alone right now, I would kill you. <laughs> but we weren't. And uh, so my mom's like, oh, we're going to have a talk tomorrow morning or whatever. And he was like, okay, whatever. So we get home. And this is the thing. I still, like, I literally apologized to Caleb this year. I think it was this year or last year. I still apologized to Caleb for this. I because still I have- know. I still love Caleb. Um <laughs> Man, we were all over the place this episode. I love it. Um, but uh, I still apologize to Caleb for this because we went home that night with our two TVs set up back-to-back with our two Xboxes to play through the Gears 2 campaign all night long. Mm-hmm. But I had been talking to this girl from school that I was just, you know, I was 16, man. I was like, I was always thinking about with girls. Yeah. And I was so obsessed with this girl and, like, talking to her that all night long playing Gears 2, I'd, I'd be like, hey, Caleb, I'd pa- hold on a second. I'd pause the game and I'd text this girl. Oh, gosh. Then I'd unpause it. Then we'd play for literally like five minutes. Oh, you were that guy. I was that guy. Pausing the game, stopping the game, telling him to hold up, wait a minute, as I texted this girl. And I'm just there giggling, texting, you know, smiling, texting this girl. 
did that all night, completely ruined the midnight experience for Caleb because I was just oh. too busy with this. It was rude. It was extremely rude of me. We were yeah, we were so young then, though. Yeah, I was like, because me, it was just like, you know, the, the I had never had a girlfriend. So, like, the concept of a girl liking me and wanting to spend time yeah. with me, hold my hand. We've all know, been there. I was there me, with my whatever. first relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, I was enamored. So, I just, I didn't, I, it was almost like I knew I was being rude, but I was like, dude, this is a girl. I don't care. You know, it was just awful. Um, so, Eventually, you know, I apologized to him many times over the years. But uh, so the, f- the first experience playing Gears 2 wasn't actually that great because I, I just kind of ruined it. Later on, I ended up like focused playing through it. And just, you know, that ended up being my favorite campaign in the Gears series. I had that happen um, with Justin. And there was that? there was a girl he was talking to at the time. And we were actually playing Griff Ball on Halo 3. Okay. And I remember he's getting this like, I think it was a message, a text or something. And he's like, hey, Josh, I'm going to go hang out with so-and-so. And I was like, really? Like, we're in the middle of well, the match. He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm sorry. I'll talk to you later." No. Oh, I remember that. this. I know this yeah. girl. I remember. So I was just like, uh, and I, even to this day, Justin feels bad about that. And I'm like, "It's cool, man. We were young then, but like, it's yeah, it's funny when you think about that because we were all at just different stages of our lives." But I think, and by all means, uh, interrupt me if, if you had something else you were gonna say. But like, I, I remember so much. Some of the fun, funnest things I think out of that era was just like being able to stay all night, stay up all nights, do the midnight launches. Uh, Brian and I went to Skyrim's midnight launch, uh, Creighton as well, and that was just so cool to me at the time, guys. Just to paint this picture, in 2011 was probably the coolest time to go to GameStop where we lived. Because of the employees there, they actually had cool the people. The manager, yeah, the man- manager and the co-manager. Yes, they they were great guys. And to to give an example of this, when we went to, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, when we went to, I think the Skyrim one, they had a Blazing Wings challenge, and then it was Gears of War threes. They did um, a dunk tank where you could actually like pay. They had a dunk tank outside in the parking lot. And you could pay to try to dunk one of the managers in there. And it was just so... I don't even know if we had to pay. I think it might have been free. You might be right. I didn't do it, but... This uh, this for me, guys, I'm going to let you keep talking, Josh. For me, it's not... It's my favorite Gears of... My favorite midnight launch experience of all time was the Gears of War. Yeah, I'm going to have you tell the Gears one. I'm going to tell the Skyrim one because that was good. Uh, But the Skyrim one was uh, really amazing because I just remember being... Everyone was excited for Skyrim. That was one of those games that transcends gaming and people know about it and, and people who don't play games know about it your parents your grandparents everyone is like what is this elder scrolls this skyrim you know it's like when red dead uh, 2 was coming out it just transcended gaming uh big deal justin wasn't there at the time and i remember talking to him on the phone i'm sitting there in the car at one point we're killing time in the parking lot and like i just remember talking to him i'm like what are you doing he was out of town with these other friends i'm like you're making a mistake Dude, yeah. <laughs> it's Skyrim, bro. Yeah, but what what was cool, guys? Um, and again, to to paint this picture is there was a there was a brief time, and I, I'm sure it was different everywhere for everybody. There was a brief time where when you went to a midnight launch and you got your you either paid off your game or you just you went there to sort of basically say like, hey, I'm staying in line. I got to get my receipt, like my copy. If you lost that, if you stepped out of that spot, you were shit out of luck. Well, it got to a point where what they did was like, you know, you have a number on your ticket. Basically, you can leave and go chill for a while. You want to go back home and chill for like an hour and then come back and get your, you know, get at that point in line. You're, you're going to be able to do that. You're not going to miss out on your spot. So what Brian Creighton and I did, we were like, let's go kill some time at Walmart. So Walmart was right across the street. We go, we're not even across the street. Anyway, we go over there 
and we're just killing time in there looking around at, at stuff and just riding this hype. I think we even went into Wendy's we, to eat. No, it was Arby's. Arby's. I remember it. Oh, we were thinking Arby's. Arby's. I stand corrected. Yeah. So we went and got some food, and it was just amazing. I mean, you guys who have been in those midnight launches remember that atmosphere. And for me, Brian's someone who's much more extroverted. He loves being able to chat with people. I'm someone who's more like a social introvert who, like, I like engaging with people. But back then, I was much more like, I just want to get my freaking copy, and I want to go home. <laughs> like, yeah, I do not want to be around all these people. I'm just drained. But it was amazing because there's one point, and this is what I love so much about this experience, was two things. One... At one point when it's getting close, like probably the last like 40 minutes, Brian, we're sitting in the car and like probably 100 feet away from GameStop. And Brian's like, well, he's like, I'm, I don't know, you know, it's 40 minutes, you know, I'm going to go talk to everyone, you know. And we were like, okay, you go do that, Brian. We're going to, I'm going to stay in the car. And Creighton's like, yeah, I'm going to stay too. And I was like, I like that Creighton guy. Yeah, so At the jo- time, so jo- Josh and Creighton wanted to stay in the car and, yeah. and keep to themselves. And I'm like, I, this is what I love doing, guys. I love going in the middle of these crowds of people I don't know, who, but I know are passionate about the same thing as me, and just talking to them. Like, now, that's what I love doing. Yeah, I'd say the past two years, I've developed that sense. Like I love talking to people about work. If I know they've talked about video games, I take that part of you, Brian, that I got all those years ago when you first talked to me that night. I'm like, so, man, I, you mentioned you like Destiny 2. What do you what do you do a lot? Like, do you do Crucible? Do you do? I start picking at them until I can yeah. get them to open up. I find that I find that specific layer that's their like soft point, and I exploit it <laughs> just to be able to engage that, with them. Man. And it's yeah. so much fun. So now I like it, but back then, yeah, uh, Brian Brian was completely in that. I was not, and uh, I see Brian go up there, and Brian, I can, we can see Brian talking. Crate and I are talking, and we're kind of bonding. This is you know we're still we're both so introverted. It's like. The problem with introverts is you got to talk to one another to get to know one another and bond. But uh, uh, Creighton and I were just talking and, you know, about what we were excited about for that game. And at one point, the second part I wanted to say was that I see, and I've said this before, I saw this old guy probably in his 70s walking into the line. And I thought, wow, this is really amazing. We have so many people here and of all ages people are excited to play this game. And, you know, nowadays, the me that's played Dungeons and Dragons, the me that's experienced, like, other franchises like Dragon Age and all these sort of medieval fantasy things, like Game of Thrones even, you know, I can see all the more why that had the the mass appeal it did. Because you look at it now, and the legacy of Skyrim is that it was, like, very commercially accessible for people, like, casual as well it's as, like, a commonly hardcore. played game today yes. now while we're speaking. Yeah. But it was just such a big deal. That was probably outside, I mean, looking back outside of Halo 3's launch, that was probably the biggest deal for me, I think, in terms of the 360's launch window. And yeah, that was multi-platform, but like, I was getting it on 360. I was an Xbox boy. And it was just an amazing experience. I remember getting there. I'm going to switch over to you in a moment, Brian. But I remember getting in, we're in line, guys. And I think we were one of the first, weren't we? Weren't we pretty far up? Yeah. No, you're right. No, I, I know no. where you're going with this. I'm already, <laughs> I'm reading your mind, Brian. I'm clairvoyant. Shout out to Spicy Meme Lord Photon. Uh, yeah. Anyway, well, you said we had the passes. We had the passes for the line, so we didn't yes. have to wait. No, no, no. You're right, but I, but I, I don't remember us being like too far back in line. My point is, is that I remember getting. I bought the strategy guide as well. Creighton, Brian just got the game. Creighton gets the whole shebang. And I wanted to, but I was like, I, at that point in time, like I was like, every limited edition was coming out with a bust. And I was like, I'm so sick of busts. Halo 2's limited edition set the standard for me. I was like, give me a bonus disc 
with the making of special features yeah. and shit like that. I don't want the bus stuff that's going to take up shelf space. But Creighton got it. And Creighton was like, I remember Brian was like, dude, you have no idea how long Creighton's been waiting for this. And I'm thinking like, shit, I have been too. And I, But I look over at Creighton and Creighton just is like this kid on Christmas. He's like the equivalent of that Nintendo 64. He is okay, so dude. excited, but he's not screaming that. But he's it's radiating off his face. Yeah, Creighton, Brian, what you got to say? That's I would say that's the most excited Creighton's ever been. When that game was announced to come out like a year ahead of time, Creighton immediately went to my dad and he's like, I have to have this. When it comes out, I want the absolute maximum edition. I need to earn money. And he did. He <laughs> earned money. He earned money through that year to have the 150 bucks up front. That's what I actually I did for Bioshock, but go ahead. When he walked out of GameStop holding that giant Skyrim box with the dragon statue, everyone in the crowd was like looking over at Creighton and pointing, and Creighton had this look on his face like, I am a god. Yeah. <laughs> he just thought, <laughs> he, he just so thought, happy. He, yeah, he just thought, this is it. You know, he was clinging to that thing like he would kill someone if they tried to take it from yeah. him, you know? And I remember getting home, and this is the two funny things is like getting home, and he went to his room to play Skyrim, and I went to my room to play Skyrim, and I got through the whole intro opening, you know, mm-hmm. everything, and, and I. So it's like an hour in, and I, I leave the room, and I go over to Creighton's room, and I creep the door open just to ask him what he thinks. And he's like, get out, get out, get out, get out. <laughs> and I'm like, I just want to know how you thought. He's like, I've waited a year for this. You're ruining it. Get out. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, shit, jeez. So I leave the room. Like, he did not want me ruining his experience. He was completely trying to immerse himself. And I don't blame him at all. Yeah. It was probably, like, uh, short-sighted of me to not realize that I was interrupting something. Um, but so, so then, like... Found. Yeah, so then the thing that ended up happening is, like, uh, Creighton ended up playing that game non... Like, he had, like, the next two days off normally, but then he legitimately yeah, got sick. Yeah, came out sick. on Friday. And, yeah, it came out on Friday. He had the next two days off, but then he legitimately got sick. He wasn't faking it. He really got sick. He ended, this The sickness we ended up finding out uh, two years later was because of a ruptured appendix. He ended up ruptured, so it was actually real. But he was sick for, like, three days of school, so for, like, five, six days straight... He played Skyrim with almost no sleep, no human contact. We didn't see him. He didn't come down for dinner. And he, I mean, <laughs> he he, like he was. Hand, like this, yeah. this silhouetted hand just reaching out of the door. He ended up. Food. Thank you. He ended up 100% in the game. He had like 300 hours in his character or whatever. I don't know. But it was it was crazy, dude. It was, it was I knew amazing. how big of a deal that was for him and I. And I, yeah, it was fun because I remember I. I was the newest fan of Scrolls, the mm-hmm. three of us. By far. Yeah, I Brian had Brian was someone who you if he was playing the game it was the same thing as Creighton, you could just not interrupt him for anything. And remember I'm just about uh, I'm at the outside of Riverwood in Skyrim and Brian calls me and I'm like, Huh, this is really unlike Brian to give me a call. And then what proceeds is like an hour long conversation. And I remember thinking at the time, I was like, Okay, Brian. So when I want to talk to you during a video game, I can't do it. But when you want to talk, that's fine. But what ended up happening? It was a, it was a persuasive. Fun, yeah. Well, what ended up happening, as you guys have just heard, is he went to talk to Creighton first. Creighton was like, "No." He's like, "I know who I'll go talk to." Goes to talk to Josh, and yeah, we just talked about the game and our thoughts on it so far. And uh, dude, yeah, it was an exciting time. Uh, but go ahead, and, I can ramble about Skyrim for a while. Go ahead and talk about yeah, the Gears man. Three experience. Uh, yeah, so a couple months too. before Skyrim was was the Gears launch and. In my mind, I don't... Josh, I feel like they hadn't come up with the whole, like, get a tag and leave the line thing for Gears 3. I can't remember I now. I don't remember us ever leaving the line. I know for period. sure it was there for Skyrim, but I Yeah, really which is the same year, but either way, we didn't leave the line. But we were, like, in the first five people. We might have been... Was Justin there for Gears 3? Yep. Okay. Yeah, it was you, me, Justin, and Creighton. That's right. Um, 
and we were right at the front of the line, and these two managers that ran this particular GameStop, they used their own time and money to make it a better thing, so, like, to make it an experience. So they they, they had a, dunk, a duck tank. I always say that wrong. Dunk tank they rented. <laughs> a duck um, tank. And they had, like, bags of flour so that you could, like... So what was going to happen is you could see if you could dunk the manager, and then yeah. after he came out of the water, everyone threw flour on him so it would stick to him. Uh, but what was really cool is, like, we were waiting in line there, you know, just chatting about to, amongst ourselves and with other people about Gears of War. And I remember one of the co-managers was, was, was like, uh, carrying a, a full-size Lancer around. And um, this guy was like, hey, uh, I, brought my, I brought my system and a few controllers. you mind if I back my truck up here? We'll do some, like, we'll do some competitive stuff. And I was like, everyone was like, heck, yeah, dude, do it. So, like, he backed his truck to the front door of GameStop, put the tailgate down, put up a flat-screen TV, an Xbox 360, and a few controllers. And we started running Gears of War two uh, multiplayer tournaments right yeah, from GameStop at the midnight launch 1v1 yeah. and uh, everybody was taking turns and like uh, Josh got up I think you did you do you got a few kills I was the what? second best I was okay you did best. you did Josh did good you got a few kills I got up I died immediately as you guys know I'm not competitive I, I suck but then Creighton got up there not saying a good. word what's that you do you do better than you give yourself credit for well, a lot nothing to write home about anyways but Creighton got up there and uh he hadn't said a word. He just sat down, grabbed the controller, started playing, and he just started kicking people's butt right and left. He killed he's this that, guy. He's that damn ass Nintendo Power Kid who's like got the power Silent glove. But like he's like, yeah, exactly. And he just kept killing one guy after another, one guy after another, just smoking everyone. Everyone's like, you because you know, everyone's gathered around this and everyone's hyped for gear. So everyone's like, oh, oh shit, he got him. Woo, man, this this dude, he's not saying anything, but he's kicking ass, you know. And like Creighton, I think he must have, he probably killed five, six people before he was finally out. But then Creighton just set the controller down, walked away without even creaking creak a smile, and just kind of walked away that's like Creighton, that. That's what, that's what you love Mike about drop him. Swagger. So he doesn't brag or anything like that. When he does, it's hilarious, but it's very seldom. And and he makes those, he's made those experiences for, for us so much. Like Justin, like Brian and I have been there for some of them. But Creighton and Justin have really added to those because I there's so many times when we played online games with Justin in the 360 era and like on Gears and Halo and and I I can remember Justin just screaming at the top of his lungs or laughing at something one of us has done at different points like and it was just fun we got Gears of War three and and feel free to jump in more but like Brian said that was an amazing experience and we get the game we all decided at that point in time because we hadn't planned it that we're gonna play four player co op and I remember campaign. at the time. You guys, you know, were you guys had to be super quiet, and I remember Justin and I didn't have to be as much, and I remember we're trying to play it, and I'm trying to like you guys are like you and Creighton are like tunnel vision, like consume the story, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas Justin and I are like we want to look around and explore stuff. Well, I remember one particular moment because you guys were so quiet, and I remember I'm looking around, and Justin and I are trying to like strategize how we want to flank the locusts and shit, and then suddenly like. As soon as it does that, you feel that checkpoint, like the battle's done. You guys are like roadie running off. And I'm looking and I'm like, where the hell are they? And I see you guys taking off. I'm like, wait, you know, (laughs) wait. Story, 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 story. Tags and stuff. Yeah. And it was story, story, story. And I was like, oh my God, no. But it was so much fun. Brian, remember how cool it was? It's kind of a lost like art in of itself now. But remember how cool it was? Like you mentioned the Lancer. Those guys would come out there. They'd be wearing their their graphic T-shirts of the you know the new like Gears of War T-shirts or Halo T-shirts. It really did. And and for us, that kind of was like that was like the closest thing we could get, the closest taste we could get to like an E3 type event, wasn't it? Like it really kind of felt like that for us. 
I got some. I want to crescendo off that story here, but before I do that, real quick, I want to say that to, to, to put a, a nail in the coffin on the uh, the Gears Three story is so at, at this time Creighton wasn't old enough to have a job, and I I had a job and I had money, and um, Creighton really wanted to get a Gears Three copy, but he didn't get one that night. He didn't he didn't have money. Mm-hmm. So the next morning after we played co op last night, I was like, "Come on, let's get in the car. I'm going to buy you your own copy." So I drove him to Best Buy. I bought Creighton. A sixty-dollar copy, just out of the goodness of my heart. Yeah. And then we get back home, and I sit down, ready to play co-op with him. And Creighton goes in his room and starts playing by himself. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. wait a minute, wait, wait. Are we gonna play co-op? He's like, I don't want to play co-op. I want to play by myself. I'm like, what? I you? I just bought you a copy. That you're sixty dollars. Like, ouch. I was like, I was like, you're not gonna play with me. He's like, I, I'd rather just experience the story myself. I'm like. I just bought you the game, you little asshole. <laughs> but, so yeah. So then from then on, I was playing the game by myself. But you know uh, what? Something I I, I want to say. Hold your thought. I'm sorry because I feel like you have a lot to say about this. There was a point, guys, where I was out of gaming. I've said this many times, but there was a point when I got back into it. And what made that change was I had just gotten out of a relationship, and Brian, like, magically comes back into my life. We had been in touch. But we didn't talk. It was more so through Facebook. I see I, I'm hanging out with Justin. Going to hang out with Brian. Brian starts telling me about Master Chief Collection. You guys have heard this story. So to get past that, it gets me back and wanting to play games. I buy a new 360, the latest model. And I start buying all these games. Well, at this point in time, Brian's at his parents' house. And he has this room in the basement. And this room is like God tier to me. It is. It, it is. It, yeah. So... And it became what transcended for the next, I don't know, two years or year and a half, somewhere around there, was this amazing time of me going over pretty much any time I had a night off of work and Brian was available. I would go over there and we would play games in co-op. We would play different games. Justin would come over sometimes. Uh, Other times, Creighton would come downstairs and hang out. And it was sort of like this weird like family dynamic of this rotation of us just all playing these games together. And I have this really amazing experience with that. Like that happened pretty much before the, the Xbox one era, didn't it? I mean, it was just always Brian and I would sometimes have nights where we went out and we got pizza and we went out and we get Taco Bell. We come back, we watch something, we get on a game. I mean, I'll tell the Lord of the Rings one, the story in a it moment, was, but go ahead. It was a, re- it was a Renaissance. Uh, it was, that's a word for it. That's perfect. It's like, there was like uh basically like, you know, Josh and I had had, we worked together and had this camaraderie and then like Gears 3 and Skyrim came out and then I got a full-time job, left the company I worked at and then I eventually, and then I got an apartment and I was living by myself in an apartment with working this full-time job and then I I just wasn't, I was, I was like 20, I don't know, I was two, I was 20 years old I think, I was, I wasn't prepared to live on my own uh, mentally, emotionally, uh, financially and I ended up, I only be, ended up being on my own for a few months and I ended up moving back with my parents and uh when I moved back with my parents, my dad had already like done something with my room, so he decided to build this brand new room in the basement. So and he cool went all out. There. He went all out. This ba- this room in the basement was so it was this huge room. Uh, it was carpeted, and it had like this cool like the ceiling was like a different height at one level than another level. Mm-hmm. And I ended up decking it out. I had leather furniture and end tables, like lamps. I had a big, I had posters all over my wall of like Lord of the Rings, Pulp Game Fiction, of Thrones. Batman, Game of Thrones. Yeah, all kinds of yeah. stuff like that. I had a walk-in closet. I had my bed. Um, I had a big flat screen TV. And Brian lived computer. like a minimalist, not in te- not by intention, but you just did. So it was yeah. very roomy too. 
Yeah, it was very roomy yeah. and it was just very nice. And I, I always had it as, I, you know, obviously live with my parents and working full time. I had plenty of money to uh, make it facilitate it as a really good place to have friends over. So like Josh would come over all the time and we would do like we'd always we'd always try to have at least two days off because one day was never enough. Yeah, and like never so, enough. Two so days the would be like the, the pipe. Yeah, drink. Josh would come over. We'd play games. Then we we were on like a third shift schedule. So then we play games. So we turn everything off, turn the lights off, shut the curtains. Josh would sleep on my couch. I'd sleep on the bed and in the same room. And we would just sleep for like four, five, six hours and have an alarm set. And we'd get up and we'd get up, you know, each go take a shower. And then we'd go out and get food. It'd yeah. be like Little Caesars Pizza, Taco Bell, you know, whatever. We and it, was, it was awesome, guys. Like, I mean. Uh, I, and then right back into gaming. And, and, and hopefully this doesn't sound vain to say, but, you know, you guys are, we're so grateful to have you guys enjoyed listening to us. But if you enjoyed listening to us, I mean, this was like pretty much like. 48 hours of us, Brian and I, just having these conversations, these same yeah. conversations off air about games and girls and the things that don't matter, movies and music and all this stuff. And it was just super fluid. It was just continuing constantly. And it was just so much fun doing that stuff. We had one experience um, where we both got, I had bought Brian, for, I think as an early birthday gift, Lord of the Rings, uh, War in the North. And you know, we enjoyed that game. It's not the most amazing game, but we played that on co-op. And I remember going over there and Brian would have this specific spot set up, you know, where if I was going to play co-op, that's where he'd have the Xbox, the TV and stuff like that. And yeah, it was so much fun. I mean, we would just play co-op and like I said, Justin would come over sometimes. And, and like there was one guys when the, when the, we played, uh, that's where I got my Halo four multiplayer experience was in Brian's basement was, you know, we were, we would all be over there. In fact, on bungee day in like 2013, I think it was, it might've been 2014. It was 14, 14. Yeah. And I remember the four of us are down there. Brian's got the TVs all set up and we're all playing, you know, it's kind of like local land, but we're playing with people online and stuff. And it was amazing. We did that with gears three. I remember when the destiny one beta went live, it came out early and yeah. I remember, like, Brian jumped on that. Justin was running home, who lived just down the road. He ran home to go get his Xbox One. Um, but back to the 360 era. Like, it, we just had so many amazing experiences. And I think that was what was cool for me is, like, uh, the 360 era was a long era, was it not, Brian? I mean, I had a yeah, lot me, happen. We did, we both did in our own ways. For me, the 360 era didn't really die until the Xbox One's backwards compatibility was in full swing. Because I was still using my 360 oh, regularly. Just made me think of something. Then. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, let me say real quick. Uh, Brian was someone, I'm going to let him tell this story. Brian was someone who was a huge collector of games. At this point in time, he had to have all his games physically, and he had to have the original copies. No greatest hits, no platinum hits, no uh, game of the year sticker on the box. Had to be as it shipped at launch. And it Ten was so years cool. ago. Yeah, and what was cool, uh, you know, I wasn't that same person. I was starting to sort of slowly make the transition. I was still buying physically, but I wasn't quite like that. Well, what was cool for me, Brian, Brian's room just cultivated this coolness. It was like, Brian, to me, was someone who was like, it's okay to like games. Like, I thought Brian was such a cool dude, and Brian was someone who carried himself very well. But yet Brian was someone who played games. Most people would, you know, playing games and being obsessed about them had this negative stigma. Well, when I saw Brian, Brian was like this guy who made that cool, who took that stigma and was like, I'm going to spray some, King. I'm going to spray wow. some Febreze on it and clean it up. And I just remember it was like, it was a safe space for me to go over there. Cause I could go over there and talk to Brian and Brian would just, he could not give a damn about maybe a certain game I was talking about, but he could have a, an hour, two hour conversation about this game. And then it would carry into something else. It would go into movies, girls, game, you know, anything. And it was fun. So I, I just remember 
going over there so much and and doing that and it always centered around us playing games and i think that's what was so much there's fun such a, there's such a mutual respect between us that it made it it made it so much fun because Josh and i are can be very particular and I think for for people who are less particular, it makes us seem it can make us seem like uh, uh, I don't want to say stuck up, but make it make us seem like a holes a little bit because Josh and I are very much like okay, I want to hang out with you, I want to play this game, but if I'm going to play Dragon Age over here while you play Halo over there, that's fine. We'll talk. We'll have both of our sounds going. But if I get in a cutscene, don't talk to me. You know, like because it was mutual respect. It was like Josh. If you're in the middle of talking, but I'm gonna, I get in a cutscene. Stop talking, Brian. If, if I'm, <laughs> yeah. you know, if, you, if yeah. you're talking, quit talking for the cutscene. So we immediately always quit for the cutscenes, and also it was like there was like an understanding of like, okay, this is what we're gonna do today, and we're not gonna change the plans unless we're both on the same page. So it's like, okay, um, you know, we're gonna play Halo Three all day. Well, then turns out we might. Hey, Josh, you wanna? Would you wanna go see a movie? And then Josh would be like, he'll either be like, you know what, that sounds really awesome, or he'd be like. You know, I really just kind of felt like not leaving the house. They're like, oh, okay, that's cool, that's fine. So, like, we kind of, we and then also it was like when it came to food, it was like, you know, we both want Taco Bell. Well, then somebody goes, you know, I'd really ugh, kind of feel like pizza. Okay. So then I would be like, all right, I'm going to drive to the pizza place, get you a pizza, get me Taco Bell. I was like, we will go, we're going to do whatever we can to make both of us as facilitated as possible. Yeah. So it's super fun to hang out. And I think that's what made it so much fun. To spend all that time together. It's true. It was just, it was really cool because it was like, uh, I think the point I was trying to make was it was really like you introduced me to Angry Joe at the time, which for me, you know, was just like the modern G4 TV. It was like just really cool to see someone who was doing skits and stuff like that. I hadn't seen that in a while and I didn't, I didn't really know that was out there on YouTube. And going over to Brian's place was like going over to this gaming environment. Like, you know, you, you guys probably had growing up a lot of the, the local game places you could go where you could actually like pay money to sit down and play games or get on a PC and play WoW and stuff. And we had like that. That's what Brian's bedroom was to me. It was like a game center. I'd bring my Xbox over. Uh, we would watch a movie sometimes and we would just play games and talk. And it was always centered around that 360 era. And it was more in the late end of it. But it's cool to think about because that was kind of how we went out of it. You know, like yeah. we both had our different ways where we got into it. We became friends kind of midway into it and then or kind of on the back end. But yeah, I don't know. It's just amazing to think about. Like I had so many fun experiences with Brian, guys, of playing cooperative games, uh, him getting me sold on games. I would go over there and I would look at his. I would be like, Brian, you mind if I look at your like shrine, basically? And Brian was like, yeah. So I'd go by his entertainment center and I would open it up on one side. It's all these like Blu-rays and this other side is all his games. And I'd be like, OK, Bioshock. OK, Bioshock 2. OK, Borderlands. I'm, I'm never going to play that. But OK, cool. OK, let's see. What, oh. Oh, no Call of Duties in here. Yeah, and then that starts a whole conversation about Brian not enjoying Call of Duties. Dragon Age. Oh, cool. And you go through them. There was even one night, guys, I filmed. I don't know. If I ever have the video, maybe I'll post it. But I had this video of Brian when he got condemned Criminal Origins in the mail. And he, I was like, let's do an unboxing. And he opens it. He's like, okay. Okay. Pretty good. Looks looks sturdy. Looks like it's in good shape. Okay. <laughs> it was so much fun. It yeah, I, I had this... I had this obsession back then, guys, where yes, I had tell us I wanted about that. That's what I wanted. I to wanted to own every 360 game. I wanted to be the first owner of it, so I wanted it to be brand new sealed, and I wanted it to be the original version of the game. So not platinum hits, not uh, you know, not game of the year or whatever. I needed to be the original black label copy. So I would search for games on eBay, online, whatever, at good prices. And sometimes Josh would be around for that. I ended up getting like criminal or uh, um, criminal condemned criminal origins one and two I together, brand game. new sealed. Yeah. 
for like 50 bucks. I was like, okay, wow, that's I get both 50 bucks free shipping. That's a great price. And Josh would get a kick out of my my searching for games. I loved like it. That. I, I love uh, the enthusiasm, the obsession. But see, I'm gonna take this height of this episode. This is why I'm gonna bring us real low. I'm gonna bring us to the depressing. Bring stuff. us down. Um, because like you know, there's so much to be said. Like I I don't know what angle I'm gonna try to to take this to because anybody listening, you can you can you can surmise from this that either uh, either we grew up, either I you know. I either Brian has depression. You can take it as uh, Brian is just obsessive. Who knows? But basically, 2015 was this like transformative year for me. In a lot of ways, it was one of the worst years of my life. But in another way, it was also a really good year of like a turning point in my life. So 2015, I was really excited for three games: Batman: Arkham Knight, Halo Five: Guardians, and Fallout Four. And Arkham Knight came out in the summer. Mostly enjoyed it. Was a little disappointed. Didn't like a lot of the Batmobile stuff. You know, it was it was it was okay. It was whatever. But I was really excited for the fall when it was going to be Halo Five Guardians and uh, Fallout Four. And as we've talked about before, Halo Five Guardians had this amazing marketing campaign. It just seems so awesome. And I remember so at this point in 2015, so many people were starting to go digital, and a lot of the people who went physical, you were still downloading giant patches that made the disc sometimes not even work unless you had the patch. So it just seemed more and more, you had to install your game, it seemed more and more irrelevant to have physical copies. But anyways, uh, I managed to convince Justin to go with me to the Halo 5 Midnight Launch at Best Buy. Even though Justin got his copy digitally, he still wanted to come. And I'm waiting in line at this Midnight Launch for, for Halo 5 at a Best Buy. Because I went out to eat with you guys and then I went home. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I got mine Josh digitally. Josh is getting it digitally. Yeah. So it's Go like, I'm, I'm still holding on to this like old collector's, you know, I'm still holding on to these memories of the 360 era, these memories of Midnight Launches being this huge thing. And, and I'm there in line at Best Buy and we're like 30 minutes out from this game launching and there's maybe 10 people in line. Like this is, this this Midnight Launch doesn't resemble what It's a I shadow. Yeah, what I experienced from Midnight Launches at all, like there wasn't much hype in there. There wasn't very many people. Most people were home, digi- like buying it digitally. And I remember just being lackluster. And, and it wasn't because it was Halo 5 Guardians, because there was a lot of hype for Halo 5 Guardians yet. And no one had played it yet. So any of the criticisms against the game had no bearing on the Midnight Launch. And uh, so I remember getting my game and just going home feeling very like, I don't know, just feeling kind of hollow. Like, it's underwhelming. You know, there wasn't much- it's part of the experience. Yeah, it was like, you know, the midnight launch days were kind of over. They were kind of behind us. And I was I felt like I was stuck in the past. And, you know, I was like, okay, well, maybe that was just Halo 5. That was just Halo 5. Well, then I think it was a month or less later. I think it was maybe two weeks. Fallout 4 came out. And I went to that same Best Buy midnight launch to get Fallout 4. And it was the same thing all over again. There was not many people. There wasn't much hype. And I just, I had this realization while I was in line at the Fallout 4 midnight launch. I was like, you know what? These days are behind me. Like, I don't know if it's because I've grown up or because of the industry or both, but I'm just done. I don't want to go to Midnight Launches anymore. It's not fun. And I'm going to start getting my games digitally. And it was just really sad. And I also, like, kind of found out, like, I that I had... It wasn't because of this issue particularly, but I think a lot of things combi- combined to, to bring down your mental status. But I found out I had depression that year, so I had to get on medication. And it was like this really rough year, 2015, of like... It was tough because Force Awakens was coming out, and there was a period where Brian didn't... He wasn't going to go see it. And at that point, I, I was like, I was like mentally ill. Yeah. I was mentally ill. And I just... Um, 
Go ahead. Go yeah. ahead. No, I was just yeah, I was just like everybody was excited for Force Awakens. I was like, Josh, I don't know if I can go to the theater because I was like, it was weird. I, for anybody listening who maybe has like some kind of mental illness, like I just I didn't want to leave my house. I was just like really sad and I, I it was weird. But I eventually got medicated. Everything was fine, you know. And it was just it was also. It wasn't like there was some part of it that was like mental, but there was another part of it that was just like me accepting that my childhood was over, mm-hmm. which is kind of sad in a way because you think about it like at that time, 2015, I was, you know, I was 22, 23. I was kind of late to the party there, but I was still living with my parents. I was still coming to the realization that like, you know, you know, people die and, and, and things change and things don't always work out the way you want. And it was just a transformative year for me. And, uh, I just remember being really, really, really sad uh, during that time. And then kind of went into 2016 and I kind of had this, 2016 was just kind of a different year for me because it was like, I quit caring about things so much that it didn't matter. Like, uh, you know, this is this is kind of like partially part of the inception point to the mentalities that Josh and I have here for Sacred Icon Halo. I, I just started realizing like, you know, little things like, you know, patches and physical copies of games and blah, blah, blah. You know, in the grander scheme of life, like these things just don't matter as much, but you know, at the same time, there's always this like part of me that just looks back so favorably on that part of life, like you know, earlier parts of life, the 360 era, the the midnight launches, the 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 times where I used to buy games and think I need to have a good copy of this so I can pass it down to my kids one day. And then <laughs> yeah, you that was your realizing, mentality, yeah, I remember. Yeah, that. like you end up realizing, you get older, you end up realizing, like you know what, like no, I'm not really doing this for my kids. I'm kind of doing it for me, you know. Yeah. And like my kids aren't going to care about this game that I got that's sealed you know, yeah. 30 years from now, they might not even care about games. And if they do, it's probably going to be newer games. So it was just growing up and like leaving that era behind. It was really sad, but ultimately it was also awesome because I love the me that I am now. I love, I love the, I love maturing. Yeah, it took I that love, hardship to, to kind of get to, to the point. You're yeah. Right now. yeah. And I love the mentality it's that Josh and I have now, um, looking at games and media and life in general. Like, you know, uh, it's just, um, well, I'm I don't. I don't know. I miss that still too, Brian. I mean, I think everyone listening probably does. Like it was, it was a cool time. I'm so grateful for all the accessibility we have now. But like, dude, I miss. I miss that at the same time. Like being able to go to a midnight launch with your friends and feeling that nervous anticipation, knowing that you're going to be playing the game that you've been waiting months, if not years, for in a couple hours. Yeah. You know, but now you're going to go around, hang around all these people. That you don't know that are excited about the same thing. It's this a big event, and you're going to stay up all night, and you're going to skip work or skip school or whatever, you know. Or you're going to go to your friend's house. I mean, I think part of what it was was just that even though Brian and I don't have kids, like it was very much that reaching that point where, you know, it's sort of the adult transition. Like a lot of our friends were starting to become dads and stuff like that. So like they weren't having as much time for games. So like not only are not only were games sort of becoming more digital and people aren't going out as much for these, like there's there became a sort of a relevance to getting physical games and, and sort of the, the, the socialism that came with that. But then now you, your friends are growing up, you're growing up, and you're realizing like, holy crap, like I can't just, as much as I love games and I don't plan on leaving, I can't just do things the same way forever, you know? And it's this, the industry's changing, we have to change too, and there was a, there was a, I was holding on to that stuff too for a while. And, and I let go before Brian did, but to Brian's credit, you know, he, he was the better collector and, and stuff like that. And it always pulled me in. So it was, it was an interesting time, but I, I miss that too. I miss the simplicity of some of that stuff. Cause it just having like, we, we, here's the thing, like as adults, we'll always default to saying 
we're happy to to be working a full-time job or whatever we're having we're happy to have what we have we're happy to have to be married we're happy to have a, a partner we're happy to just be alive whatever the case may be we'll always default to that saying like it's it's the better thing and it is it is but it's always like this it's this bad stigma to say that we miss those times but it's not bad it's like we do like if we could have all that back then we would you know because it was well, just I, amazing having all I that think time. To kind of i think to kind of put like a a title to say on this like on how we arrived at this point in the conversation it's like the xbox 360 era was just objectively a really good era of gaming yeah, in was. general but for so many of us and judging by the demographics of the people of the ages of the people that listen to this podcast so many of us those were form- transformative years for us those were years of us growing from childhood to adulthood childhood to teenage years i mean i know plenty of you i'm sure there's plenty of you listening are like no i was an adult when the 360 came out that's fine too but like i'm just saying like for so many of us like that was our transformative like era of gaming you know yeah. i got to see that era of gaming take me from childhood teenage years to adulthood and um but the thing is it's not because of the nostalgia it's not because of the there's no there's no rose i mean there there is rose tinted glasses but in regards to 360 being this amazing era of gaming that has nothing to do with my nostalgia. That has nothing to do with rose tinted glasses. It just objectively was a very good time, you know. And that's when Microsoft was kind of firing all cylinders with, you know, they had great exclusives. They had all the Halo games, the Gears games. The yeah, somebody didn't games, mention we Forza. had people uh, talk about in the community was like the arcade, the arcade games. We didn't play a lot games. of the arcade games, but like we know there was a huge, huge flood of fans for those kind of things. Like you had. When Braid I found out and, you could play Doom, the original yeah. Dooms on on the arcade. I was so excited. I remember me and Caleb like competing to get achievements. Yeah. And stuff. That's another thing. The achievements, guys, like I don't know if I'm speaking for myself or for everyone, but I feel like achievements, achievement hunting was much more relevant in the 360 era. And it was well, it was because it was fun. new. It was because it was new. Yeah. Now it just kind of seems like an extra little feature. I still love it. I would never yeah. want to not have it. That's exactly. But on the 360 out. era, it was kind of like, oh, Josh, I see that you have 990 uh, gamer score for Halo 3. I have 1,000. You suck. Yeah, you know, or it was like, oh, Brian, I have the seriously achievement in Gears of War. And look at my yeah. gamer picture when you click on my name. I see that you do not have that. Get good. You know, it was it was exactly. definitely, it had a lot of bragging yeah. rights to it. I remember playing a lot of Geometry Wars, which yeah. uh, such a simple arcade game, but that was so much fun. I remember mm-hmm. Microsoft giving away Aegis Wing for free. Yep, and there was a Contra, I think, when they had their first, like, pro, I think it was like a promotional thing where if you unlocked a certain amount of achievements, you'd get a free game and i remember i remember renting tmnt the based off the film yeah. from 2007 and you, just by beating the game you got a thousand achievements so i did yeah. that because you had to get like a oh yeah the era of people i mean people still do it now but the era of people like buying games to get easy game yeah i mean that was the thing it was fun i remember god yeah, there's just so many cool games there was contra uh like that like i mentioned there was conan they brought, and they brought n64 titles over because yes. they acquired rare so you had your you had uh, Banjo-Kazooie and its sequel, Banjo-Tooie, on the arcade. Yeah. You had Perfect Dark, which got like an HD upgrade. Um, it was awesome, man. I remember I remember going to my friend's Nate's, Nate's house. And, and this is a I, – I can't remember if I've told this story, guys. I'm sorry if I have, but it's, it's in regards to Halo. Uh, but when Halo 3 was coming out, my plan was to go over to my friend's Nate's house. And Nate at the time sort of had the lair that Brian would sort of later have. And – uh, I remember I'm getting a, uh, the limited edition copy at GameStop. I'm like, Nate, because I'm going to go over to Nate's house. Eric, our friend Eric is going to be playing with us, but he is in Florida now. He had moved. I know he's going to be online. I know Justin's getting it. I didn't know Brian at the time. I'm like, Nate, did you pre-order at GameStop? 
And Nate's like, no, I ordered the legendary collection or the legendary edition off this other website. And I'm like, what website? And he's like, blah, 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 blah. It's like this weird third party website. And I'm like, you freaking idiot. There is no way this game is going to arrive at your doorstep at midnight. What are you thinking? We're all planning on playing. I'm like, this is big mistake. Big mistake. Anyway, he doesn't get it in time. And I remember uh, being, but but going over there, uh, he he had the car at the time, he had the license. I didn't then. He drives us to the midnight launch. We go we go through that. I think I've said that on the show. But uh, to make a long story short, he doesn't end up getting it. And at that point, I'm so loyal. I'm like, we're not gonna play the campaign until he gets Your his copy. Right yeah, thank you. And I was like, okay, Eric, let's just stick around in Forge mode. Let's try this out. And then by the end, I didn't want to play multiplayer. But by the end, I'm like, Justin was on. I think Eric went to bed. And I was like, Justin, do you want to play some multiplayer? I played like three matches with him. We went to bed. Nate gets up at like 8 in the morning, goes to Kmart, gets him a standard edition copy. And I even stayed there. I was like, you can go drive and get that. I'm going to stay here and mess around on Halo. Like, I'm not doing I did not make that mistake. That's on you. And he drove and got that, comes back, and we start the campaign. And I, I still remember sort of, you know, hearing that song, Luck, you know, and Cortana's like, you know, talking. She has that monologue. And I'm just like, that that was an amazing experience being able to play Halo 3. And we talk a lot, a lot we, we were the Halo show, Sacred Icon here. But, yep. you know, so I, I'm skimming past that. But it was, that was fun too. I mean, Halo, Halo made it really fun to be an Xbox fan. It always had, you know, since the beginning. But it was just like, I think, and you could tell me how you feel, Brian, if you feel differently, but I feel like Halo 3 was that sort of cherry on top or that glue that made you stick to the Xbox. But yeah, I was going to ask great, you this okay. at the beginning of the podcast. I was going to say, did you buy a 360 specifically because you knew Halo 3 would be on it? Because that's was the, the only reason I bought it. It was in the back of my mind, but it wasn't the priority. Oblivion that, definitely was at the time. For me, it was like, I have to have a 360. Because, you know, and I, I'm, I won't let you finish. I feel like I interrupted. Okay. I'm sorry, John. No, you're okay. I probably done that to you several times this episode. But, uh, no, I was just going to say, I feel like Halo 3 was the, the sort of glue. Like, in the back of our minds, that's what a lot of us wanted a 364. That's why a lot of us were getting a 360 in general over a PS3 whether it was before or after the game come out. But I think, honestly, what kept us there in a lot of ways, too, was that it, it was rounded out by a lot of great IPs, a lot of great ex- exclusives. They had timed exclusives, like Grand Theft Auto 4 has got its first the two best third DLCs. party, the game, third-party games played and looked the best. Yeah, they, they were fun, and then there were so many different things, even though anytime Microsoft has ever tried some kind of new hardware or, or accessory piece, it never, almost never works out like the vision camera connect and so on. But they did a lot of that stuff. Like the, like we mentioned with the face. I think plates. the connect actually worked out really well the first year or two. I think it actually no, it did. You're amazing. right. I just, yeah. I think in terms of it's, uh, I guess, staying power, it did. Longevity, but, but it, it, it was the most successful. But my point is, is that like, there was just always a, a fun, cool reason to own, an Xbox 360. It was a lot of fun. I remember going over to Nate's house, like I mentioned, playing Lord of the Rings Conquest, which was the Star Wars Battlefront equivalent for Lord of the Rings fans. Mm-hmm. And not that great of a game, but you could go around, I think, as Frodo on a horse and like kill orcs. So that was fun. And I remember my game, uh, my console overheating, and it got two, two red lights. And I was like, what is this? And he was like, have you heard of the towel trick? And I was like, the towel trick? What is this? And he was like, let me show you. And I was like, well, I don't... Don't be putting that towel on there, son. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want that. That you know, that might make it worse. And it 
crapped out. But I mean, I, you know, and that sucks, but I get nostalgic almost thinking about that because I just remember those times of just yeah. being able to go to your friend's houses. That was, we don't do that nowadays. We don't. And, and that's why I'm so grateful for Xbox Live. But I had so many fun. I'm going to pass over to you to, to, to ramble, but uh, I just had so many fun experiences going over to people's houses like Nate's and like Brian's later on that just really enhanced that overall experience for me. It made playing those games fun. Going over to Brian's was like, okay, I can go over there and I can be as enthusiastic as I feel. And here's this guy who's even more enthusiastic than me. It's vain to say that, but it's like, this guy is so much more enthusiastic than me, so I can go and completely be myself and be in this safe space and we can ramble about anything and play games and have fun. And for me at the time, guys, as ridiculous as it sounds, I don't even care. For me, I was like, I want to do this every day for the rest of my life. I want to come over to Brian's house. I want to hang out and get pizza, play video games, watch movies, and just cycle this every day. Like the That was so I, much fun. It made me happy. It made me feel I happy. Die, I would love to do it again. Yeah. Like right now, you know, it's like next weekend, if that was something we could just do simply... Yeah. You know, um, yeah, dude. I, I think, I think Halo Three was like the promise that Microsoft made for the 360. It was like, here's all these reasons to get a 360, but if any of those fail, the promise you can fall back on is Halo Three. Halo yeah. Three is the promise. And uh, for me, you know, I've, I, I don't think I've ever told this specifically on the podcast. I definitely wrote it on one of the blog pieces on SacredIconHalo.com, um, but. You know, when it was 2006, I was so excited for The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, and I wanted to get a Wii at launch with a copy of that game. And I had already sold stuff and talked to my parents. My parents were going to help me get a Wii when it came out. And then the trailer for Halo 3 came out. And I saw the trailer for Halo 3, and I said, I don't give a damn about the Wii. I'm done. I don't give a damn. damn about like, I'm like, I'll get a copy of Zelda Twilight Princess on the GameCube. And I'll start saving for the 360 because yeah. I have to have Halo 3. And at the time, I wasn't that interested in the 360 because I was like, you know, there's no games on it I want. It's super expensive. It's white, which at the time I thought it was like I wanted. To, I liked the Xbox being a black console. Like, I know that's so silly, but like I didn't like that it was white. But I was like, okay, Halo 3, got to have it. So I pushed everything aside and I made sure I could get a 360 on time for Halo 3. And Halo 3 was... It was the reason that I got a 360. It was the promise of that console. It was the it was the centerpiece of the 360. But there was so much else the 360 was doing to be alluring. Yeah, you know, we didn't I even mean, talk about. Remember the HD DVD slash Blu-ray wars that there was oh, yeah. too. Like there was that, happen. which we didn't really participate in. But I mean, that was still. Oh, no, I mean, for those of you who don't know, most of you probably do. There was a little. There was an attachment drive for the 360 that you attached to it. It was another disc yeah. drive that sat next to your console that played the format HD DVD, which was a competitor to Blu-ray that ended up losing very quickly. Blu-ray took over the market. And also, you know, Blu-ray, or uh, Sony had money invested in the Blu-ray platform, and they launched their console, the PS3, with a Blu-ray player built in. So that was one way in which the PS3 really had a leg up on the on the 360 because everyone wanted to watch Blu-rays. Everyone wanted to play Blu-rays on their console, and it wasn't possible on the 360. You had to have a PS3 for that. And the PS3 was one of the cheapest ways to get in on that, at the same time, that's one of the reasons why the PS3 failed so early on was because its console came out for like six hundred and eight hundred dollars, depending on how many how much hard drive space you had. Yeah. But it was because the Blu-ray player was so expensive. But if you wanted to get in on that, you could get on in on that with the with the PS3. So so everyone who had a, a Xbox 360, we were watching DVDs. You know that was it. Um, but anyways, 
Yeah, so for Halo 3, like that was the promise of the console. And I'm just going to kind of tell this story quicker because I've definitely told on the podcast before. But since it's so applicable to this episode, you know. Yeah, go for it. I was, Halo 3 was, that was that was the most hype I've ever been in my entire life. That's the reason I got a 360. So, you know, my mom let me requ- let me get school off that day. She called us in sick, me and my brother Creighton. I had that pre-ordered, went to the midnight launch. It was crazy. The line was wrapped around the building. We're so excited. Got that game. My mom stayed there with us because she was rated M. She had to, you know, for us to get the copy. And we went home that night. And I just remember my brother being an absolutely shocked and pissed because when we got home, rather than put the game in immediately, I said, I got to take a shower. <laughs> I got to take a shower. I'm too sweaty. And I remember taking a shower. And this sounds so ridiculous. <laughs> too sweaty but hyped. My, my, uh, my mom had this like shampoo she bought that was like a hemp shampoo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took a shower before Halo 3, and that hemp shampoo had such a strong, like, hemp smell to it that to this day if i smell hemp i literally think of halo 3 like the smell associated is associated. The smell. that's so cool yeah, it is so every time i smell hemp i smell halo, I, I think of halo 3 and then we went downstairs we started playing it I remember my dad standing there in his whitey tidy underwear like just waiting to go to bed because he's like he's curious to see you know what because he's seeing it on the news and he's seeing us stay up till midnight to get this game and he wants to see what it's all about and we start the mission and like we're like five minutes in the mission, and my dad's like, okay, I'm going to bed. It's like, what did you see that made anything different? Probably nothing. But like he, just, had, he had to just see what it was, what all the fuss exactly. was because he knew it was. And we had our furniture pulled up to the TV, and we had each had our own 12-pack of Halo 3 game fuel, and it was like this, it was the moment that we all... There was just nothing all, like that at the time. Yeah. You know, and it guys, was, it was, yeah. I, have to, I have to say on the side, I've never said this on the show before, but Brian's family, in the coolest way possible, is pretty much the equivalent, if, if you've ever seen Home Improvement, that's in a lot of ways what his That's family weird. was like. And I, I grew up loving that like show. So going over there with his family was just like getting to experience a real life version of that. And it's just so great. It's so great. So yeah, that's, I remember that, uh, that, that time will always be a, a shining moment in my life. I think just cause like the launch experience with Nate not getting that right away kind of sucked, but the overall experience of just the hype going into it. And like I said before, guys, I'm not going to tell this story, but I'll just skim past it. Uh, my 360 red ringing just a, a few days before uh, Halo was set to come out and Halo 3 was coming out just a few days before my birthday. So, you know, my mom had already gotten me the Halo 3 wireless headset. Uh, then, uh, you know, she had already got me the game as well. So my dad was going to, I can't remember what he was going to do, but anyway, he calls me into the room and he's like, he, he long story short, he buys me the Halo 3 limited edition. So I had, I had everything pretty much good to go aside from like a Halo 3 limited controller. And, I was so set for that experience and it was just everything at that time because back in that day, we don't have that now, but I think that's a, a, a good, good topic of discussion. One of the last ones we can have, uh, back in that day, we were all able to get together and get on the same game at the same time. That was really the last era for people around Brian and I's age of all of us, a group of friends being collectively excited for one core game experience, all getting on that game all playing it together or at least talking about it, you know, having that water cooler talk. Um, I mean, would you agree with that, Brian? I feel like that was really, I mean, we had a little bit of that early on, like with MCC and stuff, but it just didn't quite flow as well. Everybody was on board for Halo 3, everybody. And I remember being in school and just every kid in every class was talking about it. Uh, Kids were bringing their limited edition booklet with them to school (laughs) to look through, read the manual. You know, it was just one of those things that everyone played Halo 3, you know that. And it was just like, it was kind of a it was a unique time because you know Halo Halo's been Halo's still popular now like I know we say that it's not where it used to be because it's not but it is still very popular 
Um, but Halo 3, at the moment of that game's release, it was the most popular game. There was no competitor. It was the most played online console game. It was what everyone was playing. It was the most. It was the competitive thing to play. And it wasn't until a little bit after that Modern Warfare came out, and that's when that was the beginning of Halo not being the most popular thing anymore. Modern Warfare kind of took that over, and then yeah. you know Reach came out, and it didn't have as traditional of gameplay. It wasn't as seen as competitive because of things like armor lock, armor abilities, different things like that, um, and uh, the Bloom and all that different stuff. So it, it was kind of the Halo Three was the peak. It was the it was the it was the height of everything for Halo, and um, you know I've, I've said it before. And Halo 3 is Josh's favorite Halo. It's not my favorite. I love it, obviously. It's not my favorite one. But for me, Halo 3 is just the obvious, like, it's the best of Halo experience. It's the Halo that it had a great campaign, great story, great multiplayer, a bunch of additional modes that were great, amazing music, uh, you know, your forge, your theater, online four-player co-op for the campaign. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just this it, it just had so much options. It was really the culmination yeah. of everything they wanted to do in the first two games that they finally got to do. Yeah, and they just and they nailed it right yeah. off the bat. You know, there wasn't like a waiting for a content patch. There wasn't like a a huge mistake that was made. And it was just uh, it was just it was just the peak of Halo. And it's it's not because it's not because developers now can't repeat. It's a moment in time is what I'm trying to yeah. say. It doesn't well, matter it if Halo Infinite was everything that it ever needed to be if it was perfection it could not yeah eclipse halo 3 because it's a, it's a moment in time it's a moment no in it is and i think i think that's part of what i get nostalgic about for that generation and and kind of the original xbox one as well as i think like if i was to make what makes me nostalgic if i was to take the 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 feelings of nostalgia i get from that time and put it in sort of a time capsule like if you can close your eyes guys and just imagine it was like it's four things it was halo 2 Volume One soundtrack. It was Morgan Webb and Adam Sessler. Mm. It was. Uh, it was just, I think, the sort of E three industry at the time. The the way, like, you think of someone like Cliffy B, who had sort of like the the graphic T shirt. He had the sort of semi baggy jeans with the holes in them, and you know the, the sort of like typical gamer look. You know the Doritos the and the Mountain Dew. And you and I remember just thinking of the Killers Hot Fuss album. For me, all that together. Sort of, you know, if you stir it in a pot, that was sort of the nostalgic feeling I get when I think about that era of time. And I I miss that. Like, obviously, some things needed to change, like booth babes and stuff like that. But I, I just miss how the industry was. And even though it had a bad stigma attached to it, like gamers, you know, and Mountain Dew, like I said, and, and, and Doritos and stuff. But I miss that stuff at the same time because it felt like you couldn't get that stuff anywhere to else. Me, to me, it was just it was far simpler and and I know I'm gonna sound like a jaded old man, but like to me it's that's okay. the generation that's the generation that I, I if I could pick one generation to last forever, it's that one because this is what it was to me. It was, you know, E three, hyping up these new games, you getting excited, you go to GameStop, you have a badass midnight launch experience, you bring home that copy. For the most of the generation, it had a nice manual in it. By the end of it, the manuals were starting to go out, but mm-hmm. it had a nice manual in it, you put that disc in. There either was not a patch at all. Most of the times there was not a patch at all. And if there was one, it was a couple MB and it didn't really matter. Yeah, and it would come later and you actually looked forward to because you're like, wow, you don't feel like at that point you were missing in it. You know, like they, they didn't do, they didn't finish exactly. the game. It was so. just, and you just it got to with your friends. 
Yeah. It was just simple. You just you just buy a disc, you just play the game. There was no and, and there was like I know DLC was starting to come out and that was like that's a whole thing we haven't really touched on much. Like Horse Armor and Oblivion was the first DLC. Mm-hmm. We eventually got you know, Halo routinely had DLC packs that were I think fifteen dollars usually for a new Ouch, map pack. In retrospect. And Even now, uh, that sounds like a lot. So there definitely was there was issues and complaints with like DLC being either overpriced, not fair, or should oh, yeah, and you have Microsoft points even before they transition to regular yeah. dollars, which PlayStation was already doing. But so. ultimately, like the business practices did not seem nearly as invasive as they are now. There, well, there wasn't much in the way of microtransactions. DLC, you know, there was definitely cases of it being unfair, but you could argue most of the time that uh, you know that the DLC was usually worth it. Fifteen dollars for a Halo map pack, you know. Uh, an extra twenty dollars for some side uh, campaign content, like all the all the Oblivion and the DLC, all the Oblivion DLCs like Knights of the Nine, Shivering Isles, Skyrim's uh, Dawn Guard, Dragonborn. That stuff was was worth the money, and it was really it was you really awesome. So I it was just that. yeah no it was that? I said you got a lot of bang for your buck with that yeah it was a cool time. I mean you guys think about like the Halo Three launch that had Bill Gates there, and it's like this is the biggest nerd of all nerds. And you have him at the Halo 3 launch selling the first copy. And, like, you want him there for that kind of thing. And he was there. And it was just, it, it, I don't know, between being just an OG Xbox fan and then going into the 360 era, I think that was so exciting because of stuff like that. They made it cool. Like, when the first Xbox was revealed, you had Dwayne Johnson there, The Rock, on E3 with Bill Gates talking about it. You know, like, you just, they made it fun. They made it cool. And we look back on that stuff and we get nostalgic for it. Because now it's like, I mean, some of it is, yes, because we've gotten older. But the industry has changed so much that it's probably a, an entirely different experience for the kids that are playing Fortnite, for that are playing these these other games. Like, they don't quite have those, like, cool people hit people i mean now it's it's, it's different because you have streamers and that's probably what they kind of go for you know you have people like ninja and stuff but it's again it's entirely different than what we had the previous two gens of xbox i mean you well, agree just, with it's just that the right perfect it's the perfect middle ground in history because if you go back a further generation if you go back to the xbox gamecube ps2 generation um very early slash weak internet infrastructure weak weak uh, when i say weak i'm referring to ps2 and gamecube it was they had their own internet versions but it was it was not really plausible uh, xbox live obviously was stellar for its time on the original xbox but you know early inception there you know m- except for the xbox well this is something we should talk about or i'll just touch on a little bit because it's not actually about the 360 but you know microsoft when they were put out the original xbox it didn't sell gangbusters. It didn't. It didn't even sell 30 million consoles. The PS2 sold like over 150 million. But the 360, the Microsoft changed up the industry so much by making the console ship with a hard drive. You don't need memory cards. Making uh, Xbox Live Brian, a thing. Did you know when you played Halo 2 for the first time that you were immediately like an Xbox fanboy? Like, I mean, because I think for me, honestly, as soon as I played Combat Evolved, I think that was the moment where I was like, okay, even though this is only one game. That I've experienced, like I'm suddenly I'm here and I prefer this over PlayStation. I can put my Lincoln Park soundtracks on the dashboard. Yeah, on the it's not, it's Xbox. Not, you know? It's not the crap on PlayStation. Love PlayStation, no. but yeah. but it's just I think I think that was like it was a weird moment because I never I, PlayStation had so many great games of PlayStation Two, one of the greatest console gens. PlayStation Four is great. I love it. PlayStation One. I don't like play, PlayStation Three as much, but that's really the the black sheep. But my point is, is that. I, I didn't ever have that with the PlayStation, despite all the great things they offer that some could even argue is better. 
when it came to Halo on Xbox, I was like, bam, I'm here to stay. You had me with this yeah. one game. It completely sold me on that green and black experience of aesthetic yep. and, and, and style and approach that they had. It was just so much. It was so fun. And I just going into that 360 era, I guess. You know, uh, if there's anything else you want to discuss before we go into a Q and A, uh, well, I was wanted. Well, I just wanted to to, to kind of sum up because I sure. was actually I, I got. I'll, I'll say, but you're good. I'm not, I won't forget. Okay. Uh, one thing I, I got kind of, of course, what I was saying is, is basically like the 360 era was the perfect middle ground of the era because the 360, PS3, and Wii era, you had online gaming was a normal thing now. Um. Well, with the exception, I well. Okay, I guess you could watch DVD. You could watch your... So, I guess that's kind of irrelevant. I guess you could never watch movies on the GameCube or the Wii. Like, that's not a Nintendo thing. But basically, in the 360 PS3 era, you had... Online gaming was a thing. Hard drives came on consoles. Netflix, Hulu, all those apps started coming out on those systems. Yeah. You know, um, and games were in HD. They were very quality AAA experiences. And DLC and microtransactions weren't over the top. Content updates weren't bad. The patches weren't horrific. So that was that perfect middle ground where you look at, like, if you go back to the Xbox, PS2, GameCube generation, it's like, okay, we're not really there yet with technology. You can see the online. writing on the wall, but it's it's not yeah. quite there. But then when you get to the Xbox One, PS4 generation, it's like, okay, now we're too far with online requirement, patches, DLC, microtransactions. So, like, that that was the perfect middle ground where it's like, we get all the benefits of the future, but we also get the the simplicity of the past, Yeah, you know? No, that's a really good way of putting it, Brian. I think that's perfectly put. I think, uh, and actually to go off that, that, which will probably take us right into the Q&A, is that, you know, I think for me what was partly so exciting, too, about the 360 was actually less to do with what it did, and it was more the anticipation going into it because you had... So the Xbox in it, it had such a short lifespan from late 2001 to late 2005. That's just four years. It's a short yeah. console span. Like Xbox One, when you think about it, has been even longer than that. But in that amount of time, we had so many awesome games like the Halo, you know, game, both Halo games, Nice, the Old Republic, and Morrowind. You had exclusives like Blinks, which a lot of people loved, Voodoo Vince, and you had all these other numerous titles that people were just enjoying exclusively on there. And I think. With Xbox Live, especially if you were someone who got it around that time and were playing Halo 2 or Mech Assault or whatever, you know, Crimson Skies, whatever you were playing online, like, there was a lot of anticipation uh, in a- atmosphere, you know, you could feel going into this new era of the 360, there was so much excitement because this felt like, this truly felt like a next generational step. Yeah. And when you look back on it, by all accounts, it ex- it in every way was. And I think... I think for us, we haven't felt that. I don't want to sift on this too long because it's probably a better topic for another episode. But I feel like this generation, we haven't felt that. It's felt like it's sort of been stagnant, kept on that same flow. Like it has a more powerful version of the. Yeah, it hasn't evolved per se. It hasn't like transcended. But we got that going into the 360 era. But again, more than what the 360 did, I think just the anticipation, the anticipation going into it. People like Brian was like, I want this because Halo 3 is going to be coming. I was like, I want this because Oblivion. Like right away, they already had good games that came out that kind of blew you away. Cameo impressed a lot of people. It doesn't have a lot of long lasting effect in terms of its like success. But I remember graphically, visually, it was stunning people at the time. That's such a that's such an opposite of where we're at now because yeah. I feel like there's there, I, I, this could be a whole other topic I don't want to get into because it would take forever. But like there's there's nothing pulling me to the Series X right now. You I know, know? And, and it, it sucks that like even though I think Game Pass is amazing, very glad it exists, great value. Um, it, it sucks to be 
in a position where it's not something like Oblivion or Halo 3 that's pulling us to the next console. It's a subscription it's a service, service yeah. for games we've already played. And that's just and that's where I'm like where I'm at right now, guys, personally, and you guys know I love Xbox. It's my favorite place to play games. I love Halo, it's my favorite series of all time. Right now, the PS5 looks so much more alluring to me. Even then, that's not real, saying much, but it does pull you. No, up. but it's got two like two really good exclusives in its launch window, that, and and they're exclusive for that system. And that for me, like what what gets me excited for a new generation, new hardware, new games, and 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 the Xbox Series X. While I'm loving everything I've seen about it hardware wise, it just looks to be more of the same, and there's no new games to pull me in. So I'm like, you know, for me right now, I very much just feel like Sony is. You know, I'm, I'm with you. If we had ahead. to get a console this holiday season, we'd probably go both go with PS5. I think just because That's kind of where I'm at. Just because yeah. I think like when you look at something like Ratchet and Clank, it has that new next gen experience where you're like, it's what it seems yeah, I like. mean, now Ratchet. It's not to not to diss on Ratchet and Clank, but Ratchet and Clank, this new one is like one of those games where it's like really showing off the tech. It's less in some ways. It's less about the game and being a, a yeah. Ratchet and Clank game, and it's more about you want that new true next gen experience, and that's the game that's really doing it. You know, like Miles Morales Spider-Man isn't doing that as much. It's just a sort of spinoff sequel, which is still cool. But Ratchet and Clank is that one core game. It feels like we have at this point. And usually that's why we know we know you guys are with us on this. But that's why we pretty much in every gen have, have gotten new consoles is because you want to play those new experiences. And even though Halo Infinite at the time was going to be coming out on both, I was still wanting it on Series X because... I was like, I want to have the best version of this. Even if it's not a significant yeah. upgrade, I was like, I know that this is the launching off point. Halo Infinite is the launch pad, you know, and I want I want this to be what kickstarts my era of Xbox One. So basically, when I get to the end of, or I'm sorry, Xbox Series X, so when I get to the end of it, then I'm having the same conversation. We're doing an episode about the Series X like we're doing with the yeah. 360. Well, so, think- yeah. I was going to say, I think for like, you know, that's another reason why I love the era of the 360. The era of the 360 for me was Microsoft competing in the way that I want them to. Amazing games, amazing services on a great system. Now, with the with where they're at now, it seems to me like they've relinquished, they said they've, they've relinquished the battle. They've said we lost the battle. The battle for Sony to put out the, the system with the best games, we lost it a long time ago. And... We're, we're showing no signs of, of, of beating them. I feel a little so bit like, differently, but I respect it. Okay, that. well, that's good because mine's very negative because I'm just like, to me, it feels like they said they lost the battle and they want to win the war. So instead of... A, so a, I, I get that perspective fighting, for sure. Yeah, instead of fighting Sony on their own ground, they're like, we're going to back up. We're going to do this service thing. Still agree with we're that. We're going to be yeah. accessible on all these platforms. And that might work for them in the end, but it's like, you know, truth be told, as much as Xbox is my favorite place to play and as much as Halo is my favorite series... If I could decide what direction I want the gaming industry to go, I want it to go the direction Sony's going. New, awesome hardware with new, awesome yeah. Street Fire games. No, absolutely. That's what I, want. I mean, that's that's I'm in the same boat. So, I guess to disagree a little bit, although I mean, I agree with pretty much most of the points you made uh, within that. I think it's one of those things like, like we didn't really mention this, but at the end of the 360s era was where there was a transition where 360 started to do stuff like the connect that we would later see that sort of like got people off on a rocky start they quit trying and then ps3 started coming out with hits like some of the uncharted sequels games like last Last of us Us, yes so and in dark well dark souls was multi-platform but still uh, demon souls wasn't demon souls correct that's yeah that's what i was thinking of um so my point is is that by the time we got into the end of the 360 era, going into the Xbox One, it just wasn't... It, it got off on the wrong foot, and it could never get off on the right one. And 
what sucks is when you think about it, like, again, it's another topic for another time, but I'm going to just summarize this to get to my point is that Microsoft at that point pretty much handed the keys of success to Sony by the way they presented their conference because it was just such a unanimously uh, pivotal thing. I remember people online on Facebook at the time being like, wow, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm getting a PS4. And people have done that. And people to this day have transitioned and not they don't look like they're going back. But my point is, is that, you know, there was even a point like what, like a year or two ago, I think it was last year where Sony said, we're not even going to be here at E3. Microsoft, by all accounts, had every chance to like nail that and take the momentum and they still didn't. And why? Because they didn't, it was, it, the whole the whole thing has been, and, and I'll say this to their credit to be more positive, Microsoft has spent this generation bouncing back. They hit rock bottom. Where can you go from bottom? You can only go up. What did Michael, what, what did Bruce or Alfred say to Bruce? You know, what do we, what is it? What, a, yeah. what do we, what was that damn Why do we fall? Yeah, so we can pick ourselves back up. Yeah. You know, and I just it's watched like, that last night. <laughs> oh, oh, I love it. I love that. Um, so I think for them, it's been so much. They knew this exclusive stuff. And I could be wrong on this, but I think the exclusive stuff was something that they wanted to do. The complaint got louder and louder as this gen went on. And they began to knew. I think Phil, I don't think Phil originally wanted, he cared as much for that. But I think it became something that he was like, you know what? Okay, I understand. This is what people want. This is something we want to do. Started hiring all those studios. Yeah. But everything was like so far off. So in the meantime, what can we do at Microsoft? What can we do at Xbox to build up to to better get things like prepared for next gen? Well, let's round out all these new things, game service and all these other different stuff they offer, which they offer a lot. But we're still at a point right now where all that stuff still is far off. So I think it's there. I still think they want to compete, but I do agree. It's like I I do think Microsoft's way of saying we're not going to compete the same way. But we do want to win this war. We're just not going to fight the battles. So I think all that, like, it sucks to think that we're probably a good two years out from really getting to see all these AAA games come out. Maybe a new original IPs that are really going to be the new Horizons, the new Bloodborns, the new Halos and such, so on and so forth. But, like, I know we'll get to that point. It just sucks we're not there yet. But, man, hey, I'm still excited because you know what? Xbox, the first console came out with a bang. The 360 kicked things off with a bang too. You know, I, I and I say cameo a lot, but I just remember how cool and colorful it was. Every next gen experience, I, I'm not someone who typically like goes for the Crash Bandicoot games like Brian does. I know Kirstie in the community really loves that stuff. Uh, I'm not someone who goes for those as much, although I love Spyro. But in every gen for me personally, there's always usually been some kind of colorful cartoon type of character or characters that gets me excited and it was like cameo on the 360 and it's like here we are with ratchet and clank drift apart i think it's called on yeah. ps5 you know it's always something like that that really sells me i don't know why yeah man it's uh it, it's just it's just a different it's just i'm not gonna i guess here's what i want to say i am not going to hate on um microsoft's current predicament but i'm not going to give them the benefit of that they bought con- they bought development studios already like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give them a pat on the back for buying the- like i'm glad they bought the development studios but until i am sitting here playing games that are on the quality of playstation exclusive they don't get that credit and you're right like, i think i think they, you're like, justified it, in that i think it's yeah, one of those they, things if like they if they put out something like a horizon zero dawn or a god of war or bloodborne and i'm playing that on my xbox i'm gonna say you guys did it you started bringing exclusives yeah. out thank you but until then no, I get it. it it's all it, you know? it's all words until those games come out and they put it to action. I completely understand yep. that. I agree. And it's crazy that how much like and a lot of I mean 
Microsoft knows this and it, it's it's sickening kind of that that this is the truth. But like so many of us are here because of Halo and that's that's all that keeps us here. And that's the truth for me. Like that's but I love I love my Xbox even outside of Halo. Mm -hmm. But if I if Halo was done for good, like there was no more Halo. I'd probably just go all in on PlayStation. They got me by the balls with that, John. <laughs> yeah, I get that completely. I think, I think so much of that though is because now we've we've had so much time with the Xbox One, of seven years of just not really having those big AAA successful exclusives that we're just we're used to it. We've accepted it as normal for Xbox One, and the narrative always flows to what I'm saying. Like I'm guilty of always saying, well, hey, they got Game Pass, or hey, they got this adaptive controller. You got all these different uh, you know, options and stuff. Well, that super what, what good and super, it's super good and super progressive for the industry. Like I think it is going to take it in a good direction, but there's no big AAA games like Sony's doing, and that's why we play video games is because of that. The reason why the Xbox One didn't do well at the beginning was because they kept talking about TV and not games. Yeah, so. yeah and let me clarify here before anyone's already say, thinking it or, or says it, um, I know that I could play Halo, the Halo games on PC now. I don't have to have an Xbox, but you know, for me, Halo and Xbox go hand in hand. And like, I want to play, I want to play Infinite, I want to play MCC, I want to play it on my Xbox. So as long as Halo Halo is around, I'm going to be an Xbox guy, and that's just how it goes. So yeah, same here. But I think I think even though it sucks that we'll probably have to wait a couple of years, I know that Halo will get rounded out with a lot better exclusives. Like, oh, I yeah. think I, 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 I look feel for, like it'll happen. I look but. for series uh, pandemic aside. I look for Series X to have a lot better of a, a lifespan and, and journey than Xbox One did. Yeah, you know. All right, Josh, you ready for questions and answers? Hell yeah! Perfect Hell question yeah. for today's topic: Was there a better generation to be an Xbox fan than the 360 era? Microsoft came into the game late and pushed hard to get the original Xbox off the ground, but fell over a hundred million sales shy of the ps2 mm -hmm. a stellar live service arcade titles and amazing exclusives with the 360 put xbox on the map and with this tweet i shared a picture of mass effect 1 gears of war 1 halo 3 and fable 2 four games that were at one point or still when are i saw that i was like where's bioshock but i to yeah. be fair i don't think that's just, as successful as those despite being I was trying super to think successful. of exclusives yeah. I was trying to think of exclusives. well it was exclusive mass effect for a while. one was an exclusive yeah well, so was bioshock at first um was it really? I thought it was just like delayed on PS3. That maybe it was. You, hey, you might yeah. be right. I don't think you are, but you might be. I could be you wrong. Be. Um, first response we have is from Mash P at Mash P. Oh, mashed potatoes. And I love says, mashed potatoes. Uh, ooh, da, 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 mash P. Oh, oh. I had I had mashed potatoes, but I never had mashed P. Oh, fuck. Brian, what'd you have with the mashed potatoes? Oh, biscuits. Oh, oh fuck. I can't do it. <laughs> and then I had, and then I had a, a baked potato. I was like, oh, shit. Oh. Uh, Mashpee says, Microsoft did good with the 360, but they really started to coast around 2009 and definitely by 2011, and that complacency led to their downfall by 2013. Yeah, I'd Josh agree with that. Josh kind of touched on that already. We yeah. agree. No, I think, I think it really got to a point where, like, you saw, I think Brian said this in another episode, so credit goes to him for this, but... We, we had a point for the first couple of years where, like, there were lots of new exclusives coming out. Not just, like, you had Gears of War, for example, which was, for the 360 people, just getting in, that was their Halo in a lot of ways. That was, you know, what we had on the original Xbox. Yeah. That was that kind of experience. So you had a lot of exclusives for a while, and then the sequels started to come out. Well, then that's all it started to kind of be was just the sequels, and that's kind of carried forward into now. The sort of original IPs stopped being successful, whereas... At the end of uh, or, uh, yeah, at the end of the PS3's reign, you started seeing that become like the thing, yep. you know. And well, that's what's kind of sad is yeah. like uh, the 360 was just owning the PS3 in console sales, 
by the time that generation ended, Sony just about came same sales amount yeah. to PS3 as the Xbox. Because everyone, everyone around 2009, 2010 started to go, okay, I got my Xbox to play my games on mostly, but if I want some good exclusives, not going to go get me a PS3. And everyone went out and got a PS3 and started buying exclusives there. So... Yeah, they, 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 had, I never, they had the lead. I was going to say, go. I never did because at the time, the only things I was interested in exclusively was Uncharted. And then I got older, and then PS4 was like doing so well, and I was like, okay, now they have all the Kingdom Hearts games you can play on there. I was like, okay, I want those. And then it was like... Well, that's why I got I'm, the PS3, because the Kingdom Hearts games and stuff were on Oh, that. yeah. No, that's true. It was on there, too. But, uh, but basically... Yeah, I got to a point where I was like, you know what? Now there's a lot of these games. Like, I want to play Last of Us. I want to play, you know, all these other games the Xbox... Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, the PS4 has. So, yeah, I get that. It, it did become a bit stagnant there. They kind of coasted at the end. Next response is from Rob Cutter at Spartan Rob. Call me a fanboy, but I think the 360 era was the best in gaming history. Halo 3 and Reach, the original Gears trilogy, the Mass Effect trilogy, not to mention the dashboard was the best. Yeah, I thought about this, and I, you know what? Uh, I... It's hard for me to disagree with you. Like, a huge part of me wants to say, objectively, the PlayStation 2. Like, my favorite's the Dreamcast, subjectively. Objectively, I feel like the PS2 is, but then there's the other part of me that says, well, the 360 was, like, the full realization of sort of the Xbox Live and the online interface and what mm -hmm. came with that in terms of, like, post-launch stuff with content. Like, like yeah, it did get bad after a while with the, the Battle Pass stuff, or not Battle Pass stuff, so I'm sorry, Season Pass stuff and sort of microtransactions that started happening at the end of the generation. But for a while, like Brian said, like, Shivering Isles, stuff like that for some uh, for games like uh, Oblivion and you know some of the other stuff like Burial at Sea uh, Part Two, I think it was for Bioshock Infinite. Mm -hmm. Like there was some good stuff in there, and it was just man, it was awesome. So it's hard to disagree. Brian, how do you feel? Yeah, um, I think well for me personally, my favorite era of gaming was the 360 era. But with this question, guys, everybody should know it's different for everyone. Yeah, it's not there's, Brian, there's no conclusive. I think I think if we if people made objective lists, I think the era of the 360 would be up there okay. in the higher echelon. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's going to vary for people. Brian, uh, you don't have to give me this in any order, in any specific order. Five games from the Xbox 360 era that were exclusive that you really, really enjoyed playing. Exclusive 360 games? Yeah. Like, I'm going to give you an example real quick. It, it, it could be it could be semi-exclusive, like it was limited for a bit. So I'm going to say, like, Halo 3. Like, when I think of when you think of 360, I think of Halo 3, Gears of War 1, I think of Oblivion, I think of Bioshock, and I think of Mass Effect. Okay. Well, so, like, Oblivion wouldn't count, though, right? Because you said... It well, I'm saying it was, like, timed. I mean, it was... Okay. You can count times. So. Um, the, three, the three games that d would define the 360 for me is Halo 3, Gears of War 1. Those two are a shoe-in immediately. Absolutely. The third one... Um, you know, Oblivion comes to mind, but I got there late on that one. Yeah. Fable Two isn't even my favorite in the series. Fable Two would probably have been my sixth, but it's Fable Two is one I think of a lot. I kind of want to say I'm going to go ahead and say I'm I'm thinking Skyrim. Okay, because even though Oblivion was there longer, and I like Oblivion more. Well, Skyrim wasn't exclusive, but that's fair. What's that? Skyrim wasn't exclusive. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Well. But see, I see, and we're we're different on that. I don't really count Oblivion as exclusive. I know you said it was you know first for a while, but like it eventually came to PS3. Yeah, um, in retrospect, it's not just like massive. I guess if I'm going exclusives, I'm just gonna say Halo Three, Gears of War One, and Fable Two. Like okay. that was the trifecta. But still, of, like, overall, everyone who owned a 360. Overall, there was just games. a lot of fun games. Yeah, yeah, and the controller sure. felt great. We didn't even talk about that, but the controller felt yeah. awesome too. Controller, like I didn't think it could be improved, and then for me, the Xbox One improved it a little bit. Yep. But some people still stand by like the 360 is the best controller ever. So. 
Um, next response is from Shaping Sickness. Until the Red Ring of Death Nation attacked. I liked the original Xbox better. So he was saying, he was saying, uh, or he or she was saying that, because um, I said the 360 Arrow was the best or whatever he said, until the Red Ring of Death Nation attacked. Until the so, Fire yeah. Nation attacked. Yeah, so play on Avatar. <laughs> yeah, the the Red Ring, Red Ring of Death hey, you was, know what? was a colossal failure. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, I like what you did there. Uh, you know, it doesn't... Xbox, the original Xbox does not get enough credit, man. But damn, was that a fun console. Like, I mean, it's like my two favorite games of all time are on the original Xbox. Yeah, honestly, it, if I had to choose, I think, uh, over any... It's probably my favorite Xbox console. Just because, like, as much as I think the 360 is better... In a sense, I agree. It's, it's, yeah. it's my favorite more because of... It, it led to everything we got on the 360. So, man, it's it was just such a cool system, and it's where all the nostalgia. Hell began. yeah. The damn, yeah. the way the console, like inside, it would make those noises. It almost sounded like it was talking yeah, to you. The dashboard would do it, but I mean, you could even hear the little, like, inner workings of the console itself. The green light that would flash. I remember my friend, oh, one of my friends, this it? other Justin, thinking if you took the Xbox logo off the console, the, the you pulled it out, you could put a soda in there. And I was like, no, do not do that. Do not do, <laughs> you know, and. Why would you put a soda? That's on all, yeah, that's it. We'll we'll do an episode on that sometime down the line. But I love that damn console. Oh my goodness! Next response is from Giga Golurk VA. Okay, says probably my favorite console of all time. Love my 360 and still play it to this day. I chose this comment because I really appreciate that and I love that you said that because for me, um, I don't even have my 360 anymore because any any 360 game I want to play is playable on my Xbox One and it plays better there. So I was just thinking, but about I, I have a lot of respect for that original hardware. I, I'm wondering what games he's playing on there. Yeah, as I say, I, honestly, the only reason I still have my 360 now is because of three games I own that are not backwards compatible that I've always wanted to play. One, Spider-Man: Web of Shadows. Two, Tony Hawk's American Wasteland. And three, I cannot remember what the hell it is now, and I'm blanking on it. <laughs> but uh, there's two right there. So and. and I know those aren't the most successful games, but here's I still a, miss those experiences. Here's an incra- here's a crazy pointless would you rather, Josh. Oh, let me hear it. If somebody said the only way to keep Cyberpunk 2077 from getting delayed another year is for you to sell your 360, would you do it? You can't buy another one back. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, I would say, yeah, it's super easily. But then the other part of me is like, well, if it needs to be delayed, it's probably for a good reason. No, it's so. just a, it's a superficial delay. Just oh, yeah, then I would be like, goodbye, 360. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. I'm <laughs> glad like you're not dick. too attacked. I feel like a dick now. <laughs> That'd be hard for me to say goodbye. I'd have to give it like um, I'd have to I'd actually have to converse have a conversation with the console like, oh three sixty, you know we've been we've been through so much together we've been together for so long so many. You just memories. don't have the aesthetics that Cyberpunk does. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, next response is from our buddy Dustin Ma- Ma- Mandre. I don't want to say his last yeah, name right. Dustin, Andre cool. Mandre. Um, I loved the 360 era so much, even despite having to wrap my Xbox in a towel to keep it alive. Oh, yeah, man. It was still my favorite. That's love. Hashtag towel trick. Hashtag red ring of death. <laughs> so you, when you touched on the towel trick, I thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you this know, up Brian, later. Do you, uh, do you feel kind of nostalgic for that time now? I mean, it, like, I would never want to go through that again. Never anything like that. But I almost feel... I, I guess the rose tinted glasses. I feel nostalgic for talking to my friends and gamers alike about like our Red Ring experience. Yes. everyone had one or I had a friend who had one. Yeah. But I, yeah, I never want to experience. No, it. like that. Get, think about getting your Series X and it not working in the day. Dude, I didn't even That's, tell you guys, but I remember during that era when I had the Red Ring of Death, and my dad is calling Xbox support on the phone. I was like, Dad, can you do this? I don't want to do this. I was too nervous. And yeah. they had an automated voice called Xbox Max, and my dad would get pissed at that voice because he was like the xbox max was like hey there are you calling about xbox or xbox 360 and my dad was like real he leans real closely into the phone on speaker and he's like 
Xbox 360. And there's this long pause, and then Max is like, I'm sorry, I didn't get that. Are you calling in for Xbox or Xbox 360? My dad does it again, same thing. And then he's like, again, I'm sorry, I didn't quite get that. My dad goes, Xbox 360. (laughs) (laughs) Are you dumb? (laughs) He would get so mad. And to this day, I don't know if any of you guys remember having to deal with Xbox Max when you had Red Ring of Death or stuff. But yeah, that guy... He was a little asshole. He was. Just, I remember the one time I called and they said Xbox. You are you wanting to talk about Xbox 360 or Xbox? One time I was about the original Xbox. I remember that because I was like, it's not usually I don't say that, but because my brother had an original Xbox that he was playing Halo Two on while I played my 360. Um, next response is from Will at actually Will One with a really funny. Yeah, it's actually picture. Will. <laughs> um, it's actually him. I think when the 360 started, it j- it just didn't stop. And then they just stopped putting out exclusives, and then PlayStation really ramped up theirs. So if they would have just kept up the momentum, they could have easily been way ahead of the PS3. Yeah, we touched on that already. I 100% agree. Yeah, can't can't disagree with that at all. I really think that's what happened. Like I didn't notice that at the time, but it's really what what became the narrative is they just kind of became a bit stagnant and comfortable. Like we're winning, so we give up, and then PS3 came out with all these great exclusives. Yeah. Yeah, definitely huge inspiration. Um, you can tell. Hey. You can tell that they learned from it in a lot of ways. We haven't quite seen that yet, but like I hope to because it seems. Why would like, you want games when you got to connect? Why would you want? <laughs> yeah, remember the we got a console for people who can't play games online. It's called Xbox 360. You know Get what? The it was fuck out. <laughs> yeah, it was tempting to put. It was tempting to put that voice clip in here, but we were like, we don't want to spotlight negativity. Yeah, and also, I'm sure Don Matrick's a good guy. It just he he said the wrong things in the wrong place at the wrong, wrong time. time and yeah, he was not remembered well. Yeah. Um. Next response is from Steve Austin Byers at Austin B with extra Y's. Oh wow! Um, Brian's face when he did that. It's very funny. <laughs> it was like I eat my potato. <laughs> I'm resting my lips on my mic. Uh, We have one here on the show. We do. I have so much nostalgia for the 360. Halo 3, Modern Warfare 2, and Left 4 Dead were some great times. Oh my gosh, Left 4 Dead, yes. Dude, okay, we didn't touch on Left 4 Dead, which is fun to play, and everyone had it. I had an experience with that. I feel bad because probably everyone listening mostly played a lot of Call of Duty, and me and Josh aren't huge fans of that. So sorry we didn't touch on Call of Duty too much, except I did did say that it took over the number one spot from Halo. Oh, yeah, guys. uh, Obviously, great times there. I was terrible in Modern Warfare 2. Wasn't my thing. Played a shit ton of Modern Warfare 2, but I was terrible in it. And I think my, my banner sort of tag was team player, and... Uh, I actually didn't do too bad in it, but I would just like I didn't I didn't care enough. But all my friends were playing it, so I would play that to play with them. And I had a lot of fun trash talking other players. I would refer to myself as the best Modern Warfare two player of all time, and it was fun because it would just agitate the shit out of those people because there was so much trash talking, and it was fun. It was just I would refer like, to myself. Had three kills. Was, How was that? Yeah, they were like, like they were best. like, bro, what are you talking about being the best Modern Warfare two player of all time with your 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 three kills and nine deaths? I'm like, bro, do you see those nine deaths? See them right there? Okay, you're looking at those right now. Okay, that's me jumping in front of bullets that were gonna be there for my friends that they were gonna take. I took <laughs> it for diving. Them. You see that team player banner right there? That's me, baby. I took that shit for my team. Best Modern Warfare two player. <laughs> I of just all time. picture. I just picture you like jumping in front of somebody. No. Oh, you know what's hilarious? They're on, on their death cam I, now. It, had this been on, had this been on Xbox One, I would have gotten this clip and it would have been forever saved in the annals of, of history. Yes, but there was one particular moment, and we'll move on to the next uh, answer. There was one particular moment where on a guy's kill cam, it was on the opposite team. They had won. He killed one of my teammates from far away. But as it happened, I didn't know he was there, crouched down, and I had jumped 
just as that happened. So as that happens in the kill cam, I'm I'm describing this. I'm like, watch, you guys are about to see this. And you see these little, like, these two feet just go whoop, just right across. It was one of my favorite memories of all time. I mean, it's stupid. You guys hearing that are probably, it, it doesn't resonate as much, but I'm sure you guys all had those moments where it's like, gosh, damn, I wish we had clips yep. back then. Yep. Yeah. Um. All right, guys. Well, that's actually the last answer, Josh, oh, that was? I had. Okay. So let me carry it, go into the business here. And I just want to first... I want to first shout out to our patrons because our patrons have stepped it up. Yeah, so I've got much. us covered on the rest, you know, so um, we can do the patrons. Yeah, so uh, that's right. You do have us covered up. I do. Uh, co- covered up. It's like I have a, us covered give me up. A blankie. I have us covered up in blankets. It's getting toast. No, not um, toasty. I'm, but I just want to shout out to you guys because, man, you guys are supporting us so much. We've had some new patrons. Yes. We've had people up their patron pledge. And um, I, I just want to shout those out real quick. So we got. New patron, Dustin Mandre. Sorry if I mispronounce your name, man. Let me know if, so I can pronounce it later on. Uh, but we got Dustin joined the patron now. He's been around for a while. Thank yeah, you so much. Dude, you've been uh, so great. Great seeing you in the Discord and just been so supportive and stuff like that. So it means a lot getting to, to have you. You support us in that way, yeah. too. It really, really does because we've really appreciated your presence there in the Discord. Uh, we got um, Anthony Nicolosi, who's been a friend for a while now. I met him in person. Uh, I He's so I, badass. So yeah, dude, he's a great guy. Yeah. Uh, he That's bought so some funny. of our merch. I've bought some of his. I bought one of his shirts from Ko Qual Entertainment. He's now supporting us on Patreon. Ryan, tell so me much, a little dude. bit about Ko Qual Entertainment. Uh, Ko Qual Entertainment is doing something really cool. That's I, I feel like it's never been done. Maybe it has. I just don't. I'm not aware of it. They are working on an indie game, but they're first building up their their company, their logo, their fan base, their community first. They're building that up first and then bringing the game afterwards. Because when I talk to Anthony, and I hope I I, I, I uh, represent him properly, maybe he can clear this up if I, I said something wrong, but basically, you know, oftentimes like a game comes out like uh, Super Meat Boy or Minecraft or something, and people know the game. They don't know the company. But what they're doing is while they're building the game, they're building up the company's presence, the company's name, KO Koala Entertainment. Pretty damn cool. And they're building a community, and they're doing giveaways, and... So that when the game comes out, they already have this built-in community who's already a fan of the And studio. what a great group of guys they are, so thank you. They're awesome. They're awesome. Very talented guys, uh, very nice, very kind. I would recommend hitting them up, following them, uh, you know, and when their game comes out, you know, I'm, I'm going to be there for it. Yeah, I'm, same I'm here. I'm going to buy a copy of that game. Absolutely, no what, man. So. so thank you, Anthony. Um, yeah, so next we got, um, oh, man, how do I, I want to say... Is it Kilimanjaro, Kilimanjaro in our Discord? He goes by Kilimanjaro. Yeah, he goes by a different name on Patreon, but just so I pronounce it properly, I'm just gonna go with that for now. Thank you so much, Kilimanjaro. You've been super gracious with your words, super kind. Oh my goodness! Th- and supporter. thank you for watching our our playcast video that we now have oh, yeah. up. I'm gonna pr- I'm, I was gonna plug that here in a bit, but let's kind of get through these quicker, Josh, because sure. we're getting more patrons. So it's oh, that's true. That's true. Up. That's true. Thank you so much, though, man. Yeah. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, but I'm just gonna start listing them off. Okay. And then I'm gonna spotlight one at the end for a particular reason. Uh, we got Hyperstellar. Love them. Oni BB. Love them, baby. We got some protein jugs. Oh, that protein jugs. The visual I get in my mind. Genesis. Love them. We got Ian Mills, who was just love the last episode. Yes. Great Definitely dude. Definitely go back in the archives. That's just the last Photon, episode. Spicy Meme Lord. Love him. Nick Ray. Love him. Dust Storm. Love him. Such a cool John dude. Jondon. Great dude. Crimson Seraph. Get you the sounded, freak out of the way. It's the Crimson Seraph. Seraph. You sounded you know, like... My hair is wiggling all over the place right geez. now. Jeez. You sounded like Michael Scott there. You're like, love him. Love him. Love him also. Uh, we got... <laughs> Handing out Justin Howard. Everybody. Justin Howard. Chiropractic. Yes. 
He's going to pop Josh's back into shape. That's right. We got Trevor Polky. Trevor Polky. Love him. Love him. Love that dude. Uh, we got the Shipleys continuing to support. Thank you so much. What a dynamic We got Glass. Shit! I love him. <laughs> Glass has been supporting Glass us for a long great. time. Love him. We got Matthew Salvatore, who's been supporting from the gun, beginning. Boy, he just came off a fire-ass DC fandom event. Oh, love DC him. fandom. So we could have done an oddball on that. That was great. Man, I'm telling you what. Um, do an oddball Matthew Salvatore's been supporting yeah, us dude. from the beginning. He's upped his patron. I I, I didn't mention John and upped his patron. Uh, thank you so much, guys. And yeah, then, this means you so know, much. It really, uh, really does. Seriously. that it. Brian tells me that stuff, and I'm like, what? Yeah. As you guys know... Uh, if you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash sacred icon halo. And, and of course, we never want anybody to do the patron if you don't feel inclined to. But if you do, we very much appreciate it. You can get in there for $1 a month, $5 a month, $5 a month, or $10 a month. But we just wanted to shout out. Normally, we wouldn't shout out something like this because we don't want to make anyone else feel like they're not giving. And we don't care if you give or not. Like, it's just you guys are here listening. That's enough support right there. But uh, we have a community member. Uh, goes his first name's Corey. I won't give out his last name just in case he doesn't want us to. Corey goes by Blaster, and our Discord goes by Halo Guy ninety five on the uh, Twitter. Uh, he really loved our stuff, wanted to support us, and didn't want to go into one of those tiers. So he went and gave a custom pledge of seventy five dollars, and it blew Josh's oh, socks off. Shit. So thank you so much. You are a legend, Corey. You are an absolute legend. Yes. Um, we've heard of content creators getting a special pledge like that, a special gifted amount of money that was extra. And that $75 just kind of, wow, it made our whole uh, days. Yeah, that, so that Florida, um, it really did. That doesn't that doesn't make Corey uh, any more worth more to us than our, our, uh, our other patrons or other listeners, because you guys are all equal in our eyes. We're just so glad to have you. But... Uh, you know, that's that's not a small amount of money. So we just want to thank him. Thank you so yeah, that much. That really means really a lot. That. Seriously. I mean, all of them uh, in general. It means it's Brian and I never thought a year ago that we would be that people would want to like support us like that. I just Yeah. Pfft. We just had Matthew Salvatore at the one dollar amount for like five, six months. I was just thinking, man, we got a patron for that one dollar coming from Matthew, but it just kept growing and growing and growing. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Uh, if you would like to support us, not monetarily. Right now, the thing that would make us the most happiest is we're putting out YouTube content of varying different things. But right now, we're doing the playcast. Where Brian, what is the playcast? The goal here, the goal here is, guys. I know some. I know a lot of people do let's plays, but that's not really how we see this. The reason we call it the playcast is because these are designed to be Josh and I playing through all the missions of all the Halo games while talking with our familiar banter that you guys are used to. So the, the idea is, you can listen to our videos of the playcast and not watch it and get just as much entertainment value. You feel like you're getting more podcast content if that's how you want to do that. So that's the playcast on YouTube. So if you guys could view us on YouTube, like, subscribe, even if you're like, you know what, I don't want to watch your guys' content, but I'd like to support you, go on there and just hit the like because the like brings us up. It makes people more aware of our videos. Absolutely. Hit the subscribe. But guys, let me uh, tell you, there's a so juicy much. bit in the last episode if you haven't heard about it, if you haven't seen it already. There is a great nugget of uh, Brian and I on the Silent Cartographer try to spend the entire mission in Warthogs, and there is so much fun and hilarity that ensues. You guys have heard me lose my shit laughing several times on this show, but Brian, I, I finally made Brian do that, and I, it is hysterical, and you do not want to miss ridiculous. that. I, yeah, it's, obviously, it's, I'm promoting it, but I cannot understate how like amazing and hilariously fun that that was. I mean, it's great. It was so great. And the thing is, guys, no matter no matter what support we get on YouTube, we're going to keep chugging along. We're going to put out every episode for every mission of Halo ever just 
because we enjoy it and because Josh and I want to have it there forever. Yeah, we memories. can just throw on a playlist and just um, listen to us play that. But, but yeah, guys, uh, if you could support us that way, we'd love that. Um, I feel like there's uh, much more, Josh, you'll cover when you take us out. So oh, is there anything else I need to say here before No, that? I don't think so. But you know what? Uh, actually, one last thing I will say, guys, is we have not gotten a five-star or rating in general at all on iTunes or whatever. So if you guys want to do that, you guys don't have to, but it would mean the world. We're going to read it off on the show. You can say whatever you want. If you want me to read it in a specific voice, if you want Brian to do it in a specific way, or put me on the spot with a hit me up with the sound of shit that I always have to endure. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Endure. You love it, Go ahead and do it. You know, because uh, leave that on there. Let us know what you think. And and like Brian said with the YouTube, it's going to get us out there more. It's going to get more people knowing about us, seeing us. It's going to get our face kind of out there more for people. So that would mean so much if you guys would do something like that. You you. know what? And uh, before I pass it off to Josh, take us out. I got one little thing. I guess I am going to give you guys a little extra something, something here. It's a great line for games. I think people are going to love it. And then they're going to understand what we're trying to create and how it links games and entertainment, the functionality of the box, some of the advantages that you get of having a box that is designed to use uh, an online state. Mm -hmm. So that, uh, to me, is a future-proof choice. And I think people could have arguably gone the other way if we didn't do it. And fortunately, we have a product for people who aren't able to get some form of connectivity. It's called Xbox 360. Right. Stick with 360. That's your message. If you don't, well, you don't like it, if, if you have zero access yeah. to the internet, that is an offline <laughs> device. I yeah. mean, seriously, when I read the blogs and thought about who's really the most impacted, there was a person who said, "Hey, I'm on a nuclear sub." Right. And I don't even know what it means to be on a nuclear sub, but I've got to right. imagine that it's not easy to get an internet connection. Well, uh, I'm glad we have Xbox 360 because it was a damn good generation. <laughs> no, who was that but uh it was don matrick i know it that damn ass don matrick can't forget that name i know it um but all right guys thank you so much for being here for this oddball episode it was extra long extra juicy i think you'll all enjoy it uh guys if you want more Brian. of this let us know and we'll, we'll we yeah. take that information uh, oh also i just throw it out there not because we are uh trying to rank up patrons per se but just to give ourselves a goal and to give you guys something uh, to look forward to. Uh, when we hit 50 patrons, we're going to do two episodes a week instead of just one. So that'll be a lot more content for you. But if we never get there, we're fine with doing one. But we're just, if we get to 50 patrons, we're going to do two episodes a week. So that's there, guys. Double the um, Brian and, you can, and Joshua. And you can be a patron for a buck. So it's not like we're doing it for money, really, per se. It's just kind of uh, just to know that we got that many people who are wanting to hear another episode. <laughs> so, all right, guys. That's Josh. This is Brian. Peace. Keep it sacred, and Josh, take us out.